0: me a go no go for launch
1: just when you think you're out they pull you back in i was gonna say something that was not true
2: i i don't know why we do these let's make film history
1: we
0: are go for launch
1: welcome back everybody to the almost sideways podcast we are so glad you are joining us once again this is episode 210 uh, we're recording this on Sunday, February 5th, 2023 at 5 p.m. Pacific time. I'm Terry. We've got Zach. We've got Todd. And we're, we're taking next week off for the Super Bowl. But this would be the last thing everyone hears anyways. So uh, what, we, what are your picks? Who's winning the Super Bowl? I think it's Eagles minus one and a half right now.
2: Yeah, well, I, I like Eagles 30-24, uh, to 24, but the best bet is definitely Eagles' first half because they have owned every first half all year.
3: Uh, I completely disagree. I think this is a great line for the Chiefs. This line is going to move toward Kansas City as the week goes on, and it's announced that Mahomes is healthy and Snead is healthy and maybe even Hardman's healthy. I'm guessing at game time it might even be a pick em. So get your money out right now. Get the get your you know the deal on Mahomes because he's going to win his second. Okay, you can't get to a Super Bowl. You can't win a Super Bowl beating uh, Danny Dimes and uh, Christian McCaffrey's quarterback. And uh, I also really like. I don't. I was trying to look this up really fast. Whatever the bet is for overtime, I kind of like that. I can, I can see the Chiefs winning this in overtime with their stupid new touchdown rule. That's got to be a prop bet somewhere. Like but the Eagles are the ones that go for two
2: all the time and go for fourth down. Like that's
3: true. Maybe so. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's that the ghost of Doug Peterson, uh, Sirianni, you know, is is yelling on the sideline as an angry man and uh, opts to go for two and they don't get it. Twenty seven, twenty six in overtime. My prediction: Kansas City wins at second. But you like Eagles in the first half, though, right? Like uh, it's a it's cla- it's a classic game. If Mahomes makes us come
2: back in the second half, whatever. But like the Eagles are up like twenty four nothing in every game.
1: They're okay. only
2: laying a half a point in the first half. And Mahomes
1: happens. wins every game. He's down twenty four nothing.
3: Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> it's it's, it's there, the thing it's, from three years ago. I detect a little bit of bitterness in Todd, like Ethan Cohen bitterness, which we're going to talk about on this podcast. That uh Jarek McKinnon did not score first, and you are abandoning the Chiefs because of that. I feel like it is. Not McKinnon's fault. You are being unfair to this wonderful Chiefs team. Well, I mean, if you have the same referee crew, you probably
2: have a really good chance of winning the Super Bowl. But that's you know. true.
3: Yeah,
1: I'm going uh, 31-20, Kansas City.
3: That was the score of our uh, San Francisco Super Bowl.
1: This is this this screams like everyone trying to hop on the trendy new thing, but the establishment wins. Because that's what happens every year. Except, I will say though, except for Nick Foles and the Eagles beating the Patriots.
3: And you got to think, those Philadelphia fans, 11 out of 10 on the obnoxious scale. I mean, come on. Like, let's give it a break already, okay? Bradley Cooper being there, you know, plugging plugging the the Leonard Bernstein movie. We just don't need it. We're done with it. (laughs) Irrational Philadelphia fans are obnoxious. And... Needless to say, barbecue is way better than Philly cheesesteak. That's the I'll real agree debate. with that. I'll agree with that. I don't even like Philly. Does anyone like Philly cheesesteak out there? I, no. I love Philly cheesesteaks. Really? I think it's not, not, gross. not the
1: you, you know what the, the traditional Philly cheesesteak is, though, Todd, right? It's steak with Cheese Whiz. Like, that's the original Philly cheesesteak.
2: <laughs> well, I'm sure that's not how they make it in Philadelphia, but.
1: That is 100% how they make it in Philadelphia. Like, Wait, that is the actual.
2: Cheese Whiz.
1: Yeah, it is. That's the actual. Trust That's me on oh, this. It's Either way,
2: it's, I'm sure it's, it still sounds amazing, though. But, I mean, <laughs>
3: obviously I love barbecue, but, I mean. We know Corey Matthews and Eric are rooting for for Philadelphia. But here's the thing. When we did the World Series, we did Best Houston and Philadelphia movies. We've already done Philadelphia movies. Are there even Kansas City movies to rank? I mean, there's the, the, the Kansas City roller movie with Raquel Welch that we've wanted to see. I can't think. And Mr. and Mrs. Bridge is in Kansas City. But are there Kansas City movies?
1: Ah, that's a great question.
3: Hannah, uh, Buffalo Bill got his name from the Kansas City PD. It was a it was a a, a bad joke. We could just, just do movies system. in that region,
2: like the Ozark region, or whatever. I mean, that's sort of in the same vicinity.
1: Sort of. All right. Well, uh, that that's our that's our take on the Super Bowl.
3: We'll be doing <laughs> amazing. Uh, yeah, amazing great uh, intelligence right there. Well, uh, like I said, we we'll be a taking... final prediction score from Utah.
2: Yeah, so a 30 to 24 Philadelphia.
1: So we'll be taking and next cover week the first half. off uh, for the Super Bowl. It's just going to be too uh, too difficult to throw an episode together. We might send something small out. We'll see.
3: Apparently um, Jesse
2: James is from Kansas City area. So I guess the assassination Jesse James could be a moment. There
3: we go. <laughs> now we're talking. Well, and of course, Jason Sudeikis and Paul Rudd. I mean, that, that outweighs Bradley Cooper any day. And uh, Rob Riggle, too, right? Isn't yeah. He a big, Robert, oh, yeah. Yeah. Late Kansas night at the fan. fog. Yeah. Always, always comes in. Very loyal.
1: So in two weeks, make sure you uh, you tune in to listen to us uh, rip each other a new one for who was right and who was wrong about the Super Bowl. But also because it'll be our awards show, our almost sideways award show. Where we'll be uh, debating and discussing some of our uh, some of the awards that we want to hand out, as well as uh, revealing the nominations for all the main categories that everyone knows and loves. And uh, we'll be debating our uh, our deep dive categories. Are it's a very almost sideways thing to do. So yeah, uh,
3: I'm looking up. I forgot to mention one, one other prop bet I really like is plus fifteen hundred or sorry fifteen thousand right now on Bovada. Is the MVP goes to living director Oliver Hermanis. I really <laughs> like that one. Mark me down for that. Well
1: done, well played. I like it. Nice. I like it. Zach, dry
3: January is over. What are you drinking? Uh, I'm, st- I'm still on. Uh, I'm, I'm still on the water. You know. Oh. I. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, well, yeah, it's. Um, you know, it, 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 it's fun times here. Oh man. It just is. Boo. Peer pressure. We'll get more boring,
2: Zach, for a month. Apparently,
3: yeah, I know. Oh. Think of all the people that booed Nicolas Cage in Leaving Las Vegas, and look what happened oh. to him.
1: It's, a, it, I, it is a little late there. I get it. I get it. It's a, it's a school night. Fine. Todd, what do you got?
2: Uh, I'm drinking. I, I got a really good deal on Spanish wine, so I got the Latitude 42 Rijola. Uh, rioja from uh uh adenueva de ebro españa so and it's pretty good uh it's a light wine and uh yeah drinkable uh it says it would go good with seafood and i'm not eating seafood but i can imagine
3: i never had good luck with spanish wine when i drank wine and uh it was uh it was it was frequently something that i would almost vomit from Spain, well, Argentina you do buy are not two dollar bottles. That so. that's probably the tr- <laughs> that's probably more to do with it than the region, I suppose.
1: All right. Well, uh, I had one left in the fridge, and so I had to drink it because of what we're deep diving today. It's not the Big Lebowski, but I am de- drinking the brood Abides.
3: Oh, I thought Pelican it was going to be some some whiskey like uh, John Malkovich drinks.
1: No, no, I went with the Coen Brothers theme. Since they all drink we whiskey, brothers, even
2: like. Yeah, even uh, Richard Jenkins orders a seven, seven and seven. That's That's true. And I'm having some of Francis McDormand's tap water.
1: (laughs) There we go. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, let's get into uh, what we've been watching this week. We've got a couple featured reviews we're going to talk about. Two movies that just came in, one and two at the box office this weekend. Before we get into uh, the fun of Deep diving some Coen brothers. So we are going to start with Todd. Tell us what you watched this week.
2: Okay. Um, I watched it. It was just a random movie. Um, it's called Never Grow Old uh, from 2019, directed by Ivan Kavanaugh. It's sort of a revisionist Western. It's one of those things where it's like you come across a title with two of your like favorite people in the world in, in the movie, and you've literally never heard of it. And it came out like three years ago, and it's got a 90% of Rotten Tomatoes, and you start to question your expertise as a movie person. But so you just turn the thing on and then you realize it's only had like 20 reviews and it was a weird foreign production with American actors and it's like a slow build Western. So nobody really saw it. Um, I don't know. Uh, it, it, okay, either way, it's about an undertaker, uh, Patrick Tate played by Emil Hirsch, who uh, oh. has a who has a conflict of business and family because there's this infamous outlaw Dutch Albert, some really great Western names in this movie. But uh, uh, he's played by John Cusack and, um, and oh, he comes man. into town. Wow and starts murdering people and so tate's business as of burying the victims is doing pretty well but his family is kind of in danger it uh builds drama slowly but um which isn't a problem but it, it needed more of a climax i guess uh hirsch has an irish accent in this uh and which is kind of hilarious at the start um john cusack uh has done this kind of thing before where it's like in the in like the frozen ground where he's playing the serial killer to nick cage's detective like He's basically playing like a crazy villain when the the main actor is doing like a more restrained character. Um, it's it's got sort of a noirish tone, a really dark hue to it that makes it so you can't really see what's going on sometimes. Hirsch and Cusack are interesting because they're at the same issue because they're two of the like the best actors in the world without a nomination. Like they peaked early, they never had a role that was really like making us take them seriously after what. Uh, and made have like proved that they had range like even like Hirsch in Milk or Cusack in The Grifters isn't all that far removed from what made them stars in the previous years but um this movie has a lot of the DNA of things that I like but uh it it is kind of strange in how it eventually plays out uh I, I want them to keep making movies like this but just not exactly like this but uh I mean with those two actors I had to turn it on it's a two-star movie but uh I'm just can't believe I never heard of it
1: yeah, with those two, that's impressive that you've never heard of something like that.
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's a Irish production, so I don't know what that what that means or how they got these actors in it. But
3: an Irish production without Barry Keoghan—that's weird. <laughs> it seems tailor made for Barry Keoghan playing a role.
1: It's true. It's true.
3: Yeah,
2: that is that is true. All right. He, he, he would fit in in this movie for sure. I hadn't even
3: thought of that and his character name would be the kid
1: <laughs> sounds about right Touché. all right i'm next my oscar watch for this week uh all right going back 30 years 1993 nominated for two oscars they were both acting oscars
3: what's love got to do with it
1: what's love got to do with it Uh, this is completely random. I randomized my list at the start of the year. And it just so happens that a week after Angela Bassett gets her second Oscar nomination, I get to watch the film she was first nominated for. Uh, So yeah. What's love got to do with it directed by Brian Gibson. uh, And uh, I I thought this was great. It was uh, based on a book called I Tina written by Tina Turner with the help of Kurt loader like the uh, just hearing that name and thinking like MTV News Kurt Loder back in the late 90s like that just that just drips nostalgia right there anyways this is the story of Ike and Tina Turner uh played by Angela Bassett and Lawrence Fishburne um it's kind of a standard biopic in in some ways where it tells the whole story starts with her as a kid works with, all the way up to the present day uh and but it really explores the um the dynamic between these two characters and their relationship and how it was, it was a creative, like perfect mesh. But at the same time, they were, they were horrible for each other. And Ike was such a horrible husband and abusive and all these things. Um, this is a role from Lawrence Fishburne. You don't see from Lawrence Fishburne, which I loved about it. Uh, and, uh, and he, I wish he had done more like this, but uh He's just menacing. I read something on IMDb that said for like twelve years after he did this movie, women looked at him funny on the street whenever he was walking by, uh, just because of how horrible he was. To, uh, Tina Turner in this. Angela Bassett is a force of nature in this movie. She is she is insane. Uh, at times it gets a little a little caricatury, but uh, but for the most part she is outstanding, especially when she's performing. Uh, it's Tina Turner's actual voice. Uh, because no one could really emulate Tina Turner, so why try? But Angela Bassett just gives it her all when she's on stage. Uh, it's it's a really fun movie. Well, not necessarily fun because it's it's a fascinating movie, um, and uh, it's really cool to see these these two actors kind of at the top. I Angela Bassett. If it was if it was any other like if this came out a year later and she was up against Jessica Lange for Blue Sky, she wins. Um, and uh, I think. Lawrence Fishburne might have had a little bit of, a, of a, a little bit of character or a category fraud. Like he's right on the edge of of lead and supporting, I would say, in this. He went supporting. He might have beaten Tommy Lee Jones. I don't know. Uh, but no one was beating Tom Hanks that year. So uh, three and a half stars for me for, um, for what's love got to do with it. Right outside my top 10 of 1993. So uh, really, really good movie, though. I really enjoyed this.
3: So uh, obviously, everybody's talking about Angela Bassett being yeah. nominated this year. How would you compare her performance in in What's Love Got to Do with It to her follow up nomination thirty years later?
1: I don't think you can really compare them. It's I I feel like her nomination this year, although a good performance, is kind of a career like it feels like it's bookending her career with another nomination more than anything and. I mean it, it's solid, but this is this is her movie. Like through and through, this movie belongs to Angela Bassett and she she owns it. And that that's and so I, I think this is by far a better performance. But uh not not to say that her performance in Wakanda Forever is bad. She's probably the best part of that movie.
3: Nice. Yeah. So did you mention that the director of this movie has never like been any but anybody that anyone has ever known? Like how, I was looking all, at that. How did how did Taylor Hackford not direct this is my first question. <laughs> and second of all, who is Brian Gibson? I have no idea.
1: I was looking him up and like, oh, I should probably look Brian at Gibson. who this guy is. Yeah. Looks it, like he I did mean, some videos
3: for, music videos for Sticks and Foreigner.
1: He's got some producing Genesis. credits on some interesting movies. But yeah, he's never really Emmy directed runner. anything else.
3: He's got one of the EGOTs.
1: Hey, shout out to Viola Davis, who got the EGOT today. She won her Grammy today. That was pretty. That was pretty cool.
3: Add her to the list.
1: Add her to the list. All right. With with Lydia
3: Tar, with Lydia yeah. Tar exactly.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Zach, your turn. what did you watch this week? All right. I I don't know how we messed this up so much, but I finally got to women talking. I we oh. saw. It. Like what? Maybe scattered over you know ten days apart on each of us. Like over the course of three weeks, <laughs> we eventually all saw it. I'm sure, and very different. Didn't didn't you see it on a screener, Todd? Like everybody yeah. watched it a different way, different time. It, can't, it didn't come here until this weekend. Uh, crazy. So yeah, Women Talk is the last Best Picture nominee that uh, I watched, and I was curious about it because I know you guys were somewhat mixed. I know Terry. Uh, went to it after having seen uh, the movie with Mia Goth uh, exposing herself for uh, what's his name. And uh, it, you were God a little warned bit. me. I did yeah, it anyways. Right. And, <laughs> and Todd said that the screener uh, experience wasn't maybe the, the best for the movie. So I went into it kind of curious about it. I think I liked it more than both of you. Um, I think it is a really important look at uh, the decision that many women have to make. About whether to stay in, in domestic abusive uh, relationships or to take the children and leave, or in some cases, to leave the children and just get out of there. Um, I think that the cast is really strong in the movie. I, I, if I were to nominate, I know we had this discussion a couple of weeks ago. I, I think the Oscar nomination probably should have gone to Jessie Buckley. I think her character is probably the most complex in the movie. And if, if I had to narrow in on one character I wish I could have seen more of, it would have been her. I guess that's sort of the problem with the movie. In a way, is that you know, I thought I thought about several movies uh, while watching it. Uh, one was uh, Twelve Angry Men. It, the, the comparisons are sort of undeniable, except this movie is is oh, women. That's not bad. And I also thought a lot about the series, the Netflix series Made, which I know Todd, I, I assigned to Todd. He didn't like it as much as I did, but I thought it was a brilliant series with with Margaret Qualley. And and that series was also very much about a woman who's in a terrible. Uh, Relationship, Uh, she's really kind of uh, you know desperate um, to uh, look out for the safety of her daughter, and uh, she does make the decision to leave, but it's a very difficult decision, and ultimately one that uh, she ends up um, going back and forth between. Um, And I thought that that show was profound because it was centralized on one character, and I think the structure of this movie is the strength of women talking is is the strength and weakness. I like a lot of the conversations. I think the performances are good. I kind of wish it had just been about one character, though. It was hard to kind of understand um, the various circumstances that the different characters were in because Sarah Pauly has this very uh, specific way of filming. She doesn't want to show any flashbacks. She doesn't want to show any of the violence, and she doesn't want to show any of the male characters. So you're kind of limited to these characters who sit in this top of the barn, and it's very low-key exposure. The movie almost looks like it's in black and white. It's kind of hard to tell who's talking at times. And it's hard to kind of keep their names straight. I agree with you guys. I think Ben, ben Wishaw is kind of terrible in this movie. I don't know if it's him or if it's the character. I don't know why he's in the movie except to serve as this kind of silly subplot where he has romantic feelings for Rooney Mara. She may have them back for him. Um, I think there are moments of this movie that are really profound, really great. And overall, I appreciate the movie maybe more than I actually love it, which I think echoes a lot of what you guys said. I think I like it a little bit more, though, because uh, I think it is about something that doesn't get addressed enough in mainstream movies, which is uh, domestic abuse and victimization and, uh, you know, about how these women have to uh, really, I think the movie does a good job of showing how difficult their decision is. I think, you know, people probably went into the movie thinking, well, you know, they're in this really backwards religious sect or whatever. Why why can't they just leave? I think the movie does a pretty good job of showing why it's it's so difficult to do so. So I give it a high three stars. I don't know if it if it should have been nominated for best picture, but in a way, I'm glad it was. And I'd still kind of take the, the the you know the plus ten thousand that it, it it could win. Like I don't really think it could win, but I think it has more of a shot than Avatar two.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. Uh, so i i reviewed this i forget when last week or one of the weeks i it was, it was yeah i think I this is
2: now it. the second movie that we've reviewed three times on this podcast
1: yeah i think <laughs> i think it is
2: it was like blue story i think is the only other one
1: <laughs> after we or were tar. done after we were sure. done recording i i dropped i said i was three stars i dropped it down to two and a half um and i i agree with you that it is an important movie and and that was one of the things i was looking at and i was thinking giving it three out of respect but when it came down to it after talking about it, I was like, "I, I can't find enough good things to say about the actual execution of it to give it three stars. It was, it was just kind of boring in how it went about it. the The conversations loop around each other way too much to the point that it feels like they're just repeating scenes over and over again. And I, I mean, I'll give it another chance, but it was, it wasn't as good as it could have been.
3: Hmm." I mean, I—that I, wasn't my problem with the movie. I, I was pretty engrossed by their conversations. I just wanted to know more about the characters. And yeah. you know, the reason that that Margaret Qualley show was so impactful is because you really got to know that character well. In this movie, it's little fragments of many different characters who are potentially fascinating, but we don't—at least I never got the sense that I knew any one of them well enough to really emotionally connect with them or understand the situation they were in. So, I want—I guess I wanted just a different sort of structure for the movie.
2: Well, you—you you can't. You can't compare a 10 hour miniseries to a 100 minute movie. Like, God, I, I mean, they, yeah, of course, yeah. you're going to get to know the characters more. I don't know. I mean, that's kind of a lazy way to look at it, but okay. I mean, I, I, Ooh, I, I shots conceived.
3: fired. Lazy. I like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't, th- I don't think it's lazy. I, I want it. I'm, I'm, it's a, in a way, it's a backhanded compliment to the movie. I, I, I wanted more time with the characters, and maybe it's a little bit echoing what Terry's saying, maybe just a little less. Of the of the 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 dialectical debate, and I don't know. No,
2: I I mean I'm saying it. Yeah, I'm saying it's 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 a lazy criticism to say that it it, you didn't get to know the characters enough
1: because it's not like a ten hour show you watched. I mean that that that's just a backwards. I don't know. (laughs) I do really like the comparison with Twelve Angry Men. I hadn't thought about that, but that that's a really good comparison where it's just these characters in this room, and you get to know the characters a little bit more through their discussion of of a topic i
3: thought that that that's a good comparison okay i'll think of a non-10-hour non-lazy comparison <laughs> <laughs> maybe what's love got to do with it that's not a terrible comparison i mean that was also a a domestic abuse situation you got to know tina turner and uh you know there there were oscar nominations there we go it's a perfect comparison
1: there there you go there you go You've never seen you. What's Love Got To Do With It. No, I've never seen it. Yeah.
3: I've never seen it.
1: It's worth a watch. You should watch I'm, it. I'm sure it is. All right. Well, that's what we've been watching. And now it's time for our featured reviews. And to start, we are going to go with the number one movie at the box office this week. The first movie to dethrone Avatar since Avatar came out. It is the latest from M. Night Shyamalan. We are talking about Knock at the Cabin.
0: We were called and are united by a common vision, which has now become a command that we cannot ignore. The four of us are here to prevent the apocalypse. Your family has been chosen to make a horrible
1: decision. This is going to be a good conversation. I can tell already. This is going to be good. This is going to be good. All right. I'm starting this one out. Knock at the Cabin, like I said, directed by M. Night Shyamalan, written by M. Night Shyamalan and a few others, Uh Steve Desmond, Michael Sherman. Uh, This movie stars uh, Dave Bautista, Rupert Grint, Nikki Amuka Bird, and Abby Quinn as these four people who start seeing visions that the end of the world is coming and they see – that they need to go to this random cabin in the woods, and uh, ask a family, that the family that is there, to sacrifice one of their family members to save the world. And do they save their their family or do they save the world? And that family is played by Ben Aldridge, Jonathan Groff, and Kristen Wiig as their young adopted daughter Wen, and uh, as as it progresses and uh, they say, you know, if you say no, something happens. And and as things start happening, you start to wonder, is this a is this a matter of circumstance? Is this actually happening? Is this uh, it becomes a movie about about faith and believing in something more than yourself? It becomes a movie about uh, about uh, the do you, what are you willing to sacrifice for the greater good? Uh it uh all right i got I, i'll just say it. i absolutely loved this movie uh i thought it, it worked on like every level uh it worked uh it, it was i i looking at this movie looking at the first trailer i thought this movie looked horrible and i didn't really want to see any more uh and, and i didn't i think i watched it the second trailer maybe once because i didn't really want to know any more than this really weird horrible trailer that we saw and the best version of this movie that could have happened. It was better than that. I felt. Uh, And I think one of the main reasons it works is because Dave Bautista is so good in this being this towering menacing character, but with this deep sensitivity to him and how he handles this situation. Uh, The, the, um, the, the couple in it, Jonathan Groff and Ben Aldridge, they have some Uh, a really interesting dynamic as well where you have one that's bitter and angry at the world and is lashing out while the other is quiet and contemplative and and wondering how the how this all plays into everything and is much more willing to to make a make a step of faith um the the other characters play play a perfect supporting role when the end comes i think it ends perfectly um in i mean it it you could sure you may be able to pull, pull some corniness out of the ending, but because of the whole setup to it, it works great. I, I loved it. This is four star movie. Knock at the, Whoa. Cabin. I, I, I couldn't believe it, but I, when I got done with this movie, I, I texted my wife cause she asked me how it was. And I said, this movie freaking rocks. And I, I haven't been able to shake it. I haven't been able to stop thinking about it since I watched it Friday night. It is, it, it's, when M. Night Shyamalan is at his best, this is what it looks like. It's simple. It's it's quiet. There's not much to it. Uh, there's some flashback scenes that get thrown in, but they are quick, and you hop right back into what's going on. So it works really well, um, and it just gives the little bit of context you need without dwelling on it. It's not too long. Um, I, I loved it. I absolutely loved this movie. I thought it worked it worked on every level four stars. So since I'm giving a Shamlon movie, four stars, we're going to Todd next. Um, (laughs) what did you think? Well,
2: you also liked old, so I don't know. I mean,
1: I, I old, I gave three. It it was old. What old was, was fine. Old was fine.
2: Okay, well, I am not a Shamlon fan. Like, th- there's a certain like I didn't want to see this movie. There's a certain level of embarrassment going to buy a ticket to a Shyamalan movie. It's like, <laughs> it's like if you're wearing a Paulie Shore T-shirt or something, or like watching generic Jason Statham movie, or saying lo- like Lord of the Rings is better than Star Wars. Like, it's just like okay, that guy has no intellect. They're going to watch a Shyamalan <laughs> movie. Um, but anyway, this one is actually based on a book, and he has co-writers, so there are some ideas there. But <laughs> if they actually add up to something or make any sense that's a different question um for some reason in this movie Shyamalan has uh like is obsessed with close-ups of the face like there there is no mise-en-scene established in the entire movie I have no idea what was going on because you can't see anything other than the face of the actors and the actors are bad other than Dave Bautista he's pretty good but the the other ones, Ripper Grant, Abby Quinn, and uh, Nikki and Muka Bird. I'm not really familiar with them. They weren't any good, and uh, of course, Carrie Ellis was awful. I mean, Jonathan Groff or whatever his name is. Carrie
3: Ellis. Yeah, um, <laughs> oh, like Carrie Ellis. Yeah. Do no, you know we cast
1: him as as Carrie Ellis and liar liar? Yeah. If we, uh, did we that. both did. Yeah. Okay, that's um, good. Because if not, that would have been a missed opportunity. Yeah
2: uh yeah it was because of the matrix trailer um oh that's right the the, i don't know there's some crazy shit that happens in this movie some of it's compelling and there's interesting talking points and some moments that work but the movie is pretty much nonsense like if you try to dissect it after the movie's over you just spin around and realize that the filmmaker is smart enough to really land it completely the one thing i will say is the r-ratedness and body count is pretty impressive because for a shamlon movie he normally is tries to make his movies this watered down pg-13 suspense film purgatory but he actually does make this very rated r and it's it's kind of weird it had me thinking but um which is more than i could say for most of his movies but what exactly is he trying to say and why is he saying it i don't really know but uh at least the ending isn't some like really dumb ambiguity that most movies love this uh of this kind do but he does spell it out and gives you his thesis of a movie of the movie in a very melodramatic scene uh, there, there are some cager elements to this movie, but not really the good ones. Like there, there's some like knowing in there, a little bit next kind of thing. I don't know. It's one of Shyamalan's best films, but that doesn't make it better than two stars.
1: Oh gosh, <laughs> I uh, yeah. I, I mean, to your point, I mean the ending is not like your typical Shyamalan ending. It's not like the twist ending that you expect to see in a shamalan movie. It, it, it legit like it just plays out what has to play out. All right, yeah. Zach, split it.
3: All right. Well, I'm splitting it, of course. Uh, I, I can see points that both of you are making. Uh this is this is pretty far off. Four stars and two stars. That's you know, that's uh like um man call auto territory, maybe. Um <laughs> nobody's so, seen it. Nobody else seen it.
1: You guys just, are gonna love it. Up.
3: Uh, okay. So I was trying to think what's, what's the athlete comp for, for M. Night Shyamalan. I was really trying to think of like a Philadelphia athlete. The only one I could really think of was Kurt Warner because, you know, the guy hits a home run with his first movie, you know, the sixth sense gets all these Oscar nominations. It's like Warner wins his Super Bowl right away. You know, the, the career is, you know, the limitless potential. And then we realized that You know, Kurt Warner has a fatal flaw, which is that he throws interceptions and also is slower than most 80 year olds. And, and my Shyamalan's fatal flaw is his dialogue. His dialogue is awful. He should never write. Now, Todd did note that this was based on a book. And I think this greatly helps this movie. And this movie had a, like, like Todd was saying, a very high body count for a Shyamalan movie, very low, bad dialogue uh, count for a shaman movie i was impressed He he stood he, he resisted the urge the temptation to make stupid jokes and to and to uh, phrase things in weird ways um like zoe deschanel in the happening when she says it's the worst thing that has that you could possibly imagine that has ever been existed before like you know he loves that that dialogue that goes back on itself and is almost like a you know a a, a uh, tongue twister or something. I'm giving this movie a thumbs up. I'm not as enthusiastic about it as Terry is. Uh, I was pretty riveted the whole time. I, I uh, did not know where the movie was going. This is like Shyamalan as Kurt Warner on the Cardinals. He's on the comeback trail. I didn't think Up or uh, Old was very good, but I did like Split a lot. He's definitely out of the last Airbender phase of his career, which was the Giants career for for Warner. I'll end that analogy, it's a stupid analogy, but I think Shyamalan's a really talented filmmaker. I think he has a unique style. And uh, yeah, he lays off the surprise endings. I think that was getting old about 15 years ago. So I I did like that. I mean, maybe that's my biggest criticism of the movie is that quite honestly, it's a very sort of like, mm, I'm not gonna say by the book, but it doesn't do anything that you wouldn't expect it to do except for be better than you'd expect it to be it. Like it's not reinventing the genre in any way. Doesn't really take a whole lot of risks, I don't think, in the storytelling. Another criticism that I had of it uh, while watching it was, you know, Shyamalan is bad with special effects, always has been. uh, And he's also really bad with newscasts because, you know, big shit tends to happen in movies. And uh, the same here, the newscasts in this movie are really bad. Really bad CGI. The the audience actually uh, laughed when the first plane went down and it looked like Shyamalan ripped a um, green screen explosion from YouTube like royalty free. So I think that got some laughs. But here's the thing. This is what was interesting about it. So his TV and his CGI is bad. It kind of helps the movie though in a way because the main characters also can't really believe that those newscasts are real. It actually in a way helps propel the story. And it helps propel this notion that Dave Bautista and his cadre are just a bunch of religious fanatics who don't know what the hell they're talking about. That was a a surprising and fascinating element. I don't know if Shyamalan is smart enough to realize that that is, you know, (laughs) an effective use of bad special effects, but I kind of dug it. And then I I guess I'll end by saying this movie did something to me that uh, I have not experienced in quite a while. And yeah, you know, I'm maybe I'm one of those people that wears a a, a polly short t-shirt, Todd. But like, I kind of felt dread watching this movie. Like in the first thirty minutes, I think the setup is great in this movie, and you do sort of feel like any t- every every with every hour that goes by, and you you know what's going to happen. The movie kind of sets up this pattern, this routine. And you know where it's going, and you know it. It's it made me feel dread, and I don't know if I'd really want to watch this movie again. I, it doesn't have a high rewatchability factor, but that doesn't mean it's a bad movie. It was a uh, really chillingly effective movie, so I give it three stars. Well,
1: oh, I, I think it's rewatchable. I, I I don't know. I I real I, I've been obsessed with this movie over the last few days. It I I like what you said about the the special effects almost helping in the and the unbelievability the characters are feeling that that that's, that's, uh,
2: there's no way he thought that he put himself no, in those he newscasts. I don't know. I, no, he, he, a, he was in the infomercial. He was in the that, infomercial. Yeah. Now
3: that was obviously the minor character award winner. I really want to know more about that knife and uh, the apron he was wearing. That's that deserves a movie on its own, a, along with, you know, Christopher McDonald and Requiem for a dream. Maybe they're from the same uh, cinematic universe, but no, I, 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 I dug the movie, and it didn't do anything crazy, which I think helps Shyamalan. When Shyamalan tries to do too much crazy stuff, like Kurt Warner trying to scramble or you know fumble a ball or something like that, it's no good. But when he just does what he's supposed <laughs> to do instead of taking crazy risks, it's, it's effective filmmaking. So you weren't
2: bothered by it's the difficult. fact that you don't see anything for the first half hour of the movie except people's eyes? Like, I thought I'm... the
3: first half hour is the strongest part of the movie. I, I loved the setup. Yeah, there, I was, thought, I you can't, the there was there was perfect. no setup.
2: There's not there's nothing happening except watching people's faces. Like the,
3: n- yeah, there's it no was, it, was, it was chilling. It was like Silence of the Lambs. Jonathan Demme used close ups of people's faces too. It was really awesome. Dave Bautista. But you don't face, get you don't get the, had the had sense of of, of any
2: sort of of uh, of the layout of the place or anything. You don't you have no
3: idea what's going on. Yeah, that's the point. You. They're no. they're secluded in the wilderness. They they don't know if these things are actually happening or not. That's a smart that's a smart decision. That's, by that's this, not by what this I'm screen. talking about. Well, you're saying I, that he needs more like yeah, you know, mise en scene more scenery, but like what else is there? They're secluded. It's it's meant to it's be. It's a giant possible.
2: cabin and you don't get the sense of anything other than looking at their eyes, because that's all you see for the first half hour of the movie. And it was really obnoxious. No, I I don't I think he's think ever so. done that before. He's just obsessed with it for some reason in this movie. I, I thought I thought it worked. a lot of close ups, too.
1: I, I thought it worked. I thought because I, really what you're doing is you're you're uh, you're staring into their souls. You're trying to see if they're if they're if it's a game of B.S. in a lot of ways, you know, who who's bluffing in this or is there a bluff in this? I thought it was fascinating. And I love that the first scene of the movie is Dave Bautista walking up to the girl. Right. That That's in the trailer. You, but there's all sorts of setup before that, even in the trailer that turns out to be a flashback later I love that it just starts and it's like the first thing you see is they're walking up to the cabin and this is going down uh and the entire you know 100 minute runtime is is you are you are in it and uh it, it, yeah
3: yeah I also like that wen's favorite movie was Kiki's delivery service that was yes. a great answer to that question <laughs> and Jonathan Groff slash Carrie Elwis is really great. Uh, I did not think at all about uh, King George, but uh, if I did, it, it went away immediately because he's really good in this movie. I thought all the all the actors were really good. I think Terry's a little over enthusiastic because it's February, okay? And there's not a lot of good movies out. I get it. I don't think it's that good. I think you had a similar reaction to Split when that came out. You love. I, I
1: gave Split four stars as
3: well. I don't think they're yeah. quite that good, I, but they I'm are a, good. I'm a Shyamalan fan. We like Shyamalan. It's great when he makes good movies. We I don't like glass I think
2: I've given one of his movies thumbs up that was unbreakable not yeah, not I, a fan of the sixth sense I can't stay awake during that movie and uh, all his other movies pretty much are garbage except for the happening it's interesting
1: <laughs> i never I've never seen the happening old I gave three stars to uh I'm actually a fan of lady in the water
2: yeah you are and you probably like glass too
1: I haven't watched glass yet actually I probably should
3: yeah, I'm surprised, Todd, you didn't bring up Take Shelter. <clears throat> I also thought of Take Shelter during this movie, which I think touched on a lot of similar uh, themes. And oh, yeah, Jeff, but that movie actually has, has direction.
2: Like, you can understand what they're getting after. But here, it's like the movie's over, and you're just like, oh, "What is okay, so what is he actually trying to say? I don't think he knows.
3: Yeah, I like your comparison to Knowing, though. No, I did write down Knowing as, as a comp as well, just because that movie also had a sense of, like, is this shit real or not? I like movies like that. I like the movies that say you don't know if it's real or not. And had the, had Shyamalan filmed more shit outside and more exteriors, we would have known more. And, you know, I think that takes away some
2: of it. So is this just a COVID production? Is that why he's like, no, you can't even go outside. Like, we're, we're quarantined in this house. Like, <laughs> like, like we're only going to see each other.
1: I, There's only, I mean, like,
2: one real scene outside, and that was at, the, at a bar. And it was a flashback. Well, yeah, there's a, there's I didn't a diner like that. Also. the, um,
3: the, yeah, the bar scene, I didn't understand. Was that the person that he thought it was?
1: I mean, that's yeah. kind of a spoiler alert. But yeah, oh, okay. you, I, mean, I couldn't
3: you, understand you, that.
2: You find that out later. Like what the yeah. answer to that question? <laughs> I went and, to the and, movie
3: uh, by myself. My wife couldn't answer. I, I that's a question I would have asked my wife. Has she gone with me? I I didn't understand. So
2: that, that was when you were falling asleep.
1: Exactly.
3: I Zach. didn't fall
2: asleep during this movie
3: um
1: but by the way uh speaking of spoiler alert ben aldridge in this is uh the uh second league lead in spoiler alert with jim parsons which none of us saw uh, and sally field and sally field speaking of sally field let's move on uh so uh did you like that that worked out perfectly uh thank you for setting that up for me zach uh before we go on so just to recap knock at the cabin i gave it four stars zach gave it three todd gave it two it's in theaters now um it it go see it. Don't listen to Todd. Go see this movie. Todd just hates Shyamalan. All right. So yeah, speaking
3: of Sally Field, our next movie stars Sally, I'm Field. also a Philadelphia fan, by the way.
1: Yeah. Uh and it is number two at the box office, the second movie to beat Avatar since uh Avatar came out because Avatar finished third this week. And it is eighty for Brady. I can't believe we're
0: actually here.
1: Taking this one. He's cute.
0: So you don't have any tickets? How much for four? Ten thousand. Ten thousand? Well, I have a twenty in my strap-on. That's a fanny pack. If you wear it like this, it's a strap-on. Wow.
1: Zach, you uh you said we have to review this thing. And you get to be the one, you did, and you get to be the one that starts talking about it. So tell us
3: about 80 for Brady Must and what you thought. Must have been before I stopped drinking. Uh, so 80 for Brady, you know, Todd says that he is a Shyamalan hater. And uh, after this movie, I am a Kyle Marvin hater. Um, I don't know what else he's done. Wait, you
2: you haven't seen The Climb. That was one of the best movies of 2020. Oh, Okay. <laughs>
3: Has he directed anything? It only says he's a producer. Well, he's the writer star of The Climb. Oh, okay, interesting. Which none I never, of you saw. I, I never, I've never heard no. of that movie. Nope. Okay,
2: except for when I talked about it on our top ten list. But yeah. That's oh cool. yeah. Okay.
3: Uh, eighty for Brady uh, is the movie we all know and love. Uh, it because they've been sure making the media rounds uh, on it. Uh, if you didn't notice this week, Tom Brady retired, and hey, two days later, his movie comes out. Nothing, nothing to see here. Um, it stars, uh, everyone's favorite octogenarian, uh, quartet, Rita Moreno, Sally Field, Jane Fonda, and not Patton Oswalt, Lily Tomlin. Uh, and, uh, all of them have won Oscars except Lily Tomlin, I believe. Um, that's just insane. Yeah. I was listening to some movie where an actor really had a voice that sounded like Lily Tomlin. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was women talking. Jesse Buckley's voice sounds like, uh, Lily Tomlin try it sometime i'm not, I, i'm totally sober it's it's true anyway um 80 for brady is uh set it's i guess try loosely it it's loosely based on a true story about tom brady's uh, appearance in super bowl 51 when he beat the falcons and a group of elderly women in the boston area that won tickets to the game and went there and apparently one of whom helped uh, Matt Patricia and the defense figure out how to stop Matt Ryan because uh, Lily Tomlin does a spoiler alert. She gets on the headset later in this movie and basically s- she is the driving force behind the comeback. I did not know that in in, uh, in in football history. I mean, Brady was just phoning it in until Lily Tomlin showed up. So exactly. Um You know, when Gene Siskel saw Fargo in February of 1996, he said, it's over. This is the best movie of the year. I don't, you know, I don't have to see another movie. Uh, I feel that same way about 80 for Brady. There will not be a worse movie this year than 80 for Brady. (laughs) It is absolutely... Insufferable, and and you know not, and we can talk about all the movie things because it, it's the the screenplay is awful, the the dialogue is awful, the situations are, are are just atrocious. There's there's no chemistry between the cast, which is why they have to put them in different situations. Uh, the celebrity cameos are are low, you know, low energy, uh, D, D plus celebrity cameos. The worst part about it, though, besides also the uh, the plugging with the the, the uh, you know promotion. Um, of you know, the Microsoft and the, the CarMax and all that. Uh, is, is Brady retiring? Per- Brady choosing to end his, the greatest NFL career of any quarterback to promote this movie? I mean, is he that strapped for cash? He's gonna get freaking Greg Olson's job on Fox, okay? He's probably gonna be commentating the Super Bowl by the time this episode airs. Why does he need to saddle his career legacy onto this absolute garbage movie? Not only is it garbage, but all it is is just worship of Tom Brady, you know? Tom Brady used to really care about his image. He used to be this kind of cool guy. Well, I thought he cared enough about his image to not believe that he would make a movie about a bunch of Tom Brady worshipping sycophants. That doesn't exactly help his image as the cool, selfless uh, hero that he wants to portray um, in the media. Uh, this movie is, is relentless uh, Brady uh, he- hegemony. Um, and as a, as a relapsed former Patriots fan, um, I can say this movie also had a, a number of inaccuracies, one of which is in the first scene, which is that the 2016 AFC title game was played at night. And those old ladies are definitely watching it during the day. Um, but you know, many, other things ensue. I mean, how about the flashback when it just so happens that Drew Bledsoe just got hit by, by Mo Lewis and look who comes in they're all watching it at the same time. That, that scene was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, there, there's not a shred of, uh, of originality in this movie. It's, it's boring. It's awful. Uh, it's, it's an absolute train wreck. And, um, yeah, I couldn't believe it was only an hour and 35 minutes. It was a complete waste of my life. Like the 15 years I supported Tom Brady. So, so your rating is half a star. Half a star. It's not evil. Mm. It's not evil in the way that the bubble was, <laughs> but it's it's Space Jam level in that it is pushing its agenda on a hapless population and uh, is a horrible way that Sally, incredibly talented actors, are getting attached to this project. It's just terrible. It, it's shame. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, so this was the second part of my double feature on Friday night. You fell I fell asleep during this. one, I watched too. Knock of the Cabin. I didn't fall asleep during either um i'll be a little more generous i'm going one and a half stars uh there were a couple things i laughed at but for the most part it was it was pretty cringeworthy and just like i mean these actresses are better than this right like that's what i kept saying to myself like they're they're better than this right um the mo the best part of the movie was actually watching the game
0: (laughs) yeah it
1: was a great game like the footage they had of the game is like all right they they like tapped into NFL films or something here because this is actually good footage and that was when the game or when the movie actually got got good just when they were showing the highlights of the game but yeah uh, there were so many so many weird performances in this not uh, outside of the four main main characters which you're right they didn't really work together at all there there was just some weird stuff in there but um kyle Moffat and rob cordry as the as the radio guys they that was weird that didn't really work um guy fieri what i i mean that that's that's not a that's not a scene for a move for a movie with with this talent level in it i mean what what is sally field doing um the i i think the 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 she has to go
3: she has to leave now sorry yeah, I had to had to put that in there.
1: <laughs> I think the I think the one uh, the one line I laughed the hardest at was uh was when Rita Moreno finally realized she was playing poker and uh and she goes, Am I winning? And Patton Oswald says, You are killing. You just keep telling us you're taking us to Flavortown, then you nicknamed me brisket. Like that was <laughs> that was the best line of the whole movie. And it was because it was from Patton Oswald. <clears throat> And and let alone that there were you know Marshawn Lynch and other guys around the table, uh yeah. So I'll give it one and a half. It wasn't it wasn't the worst thing in the world, but it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. Like this this is gonna be probably most likely on my bottom five of the year. And if not, then I saw a lot of crappy movies this year. Um, spoiler alert to next to January twenty twenty four. But uh, yeah, it, it it's 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 not good. It's not good. Todd, how about you? Like, look, look at that! Look at them oh, right there.
3: There you go lots of Botox. Well, <laughs> okay, this <laughs> is uh, yes,
2: it's it's directed by one of the guys behind the climb. It's written by the writers of Booksmart. It's got all these Oscar winners in it. <laughs> um, yeah, and and as Zach said, it comes out the week after Brady retires, which is the same as the movie that was on Zach's Best of the Year list last year. When Sean, I have Payton a, I have a conspiracy theory later by Sh- the way. Sean Payton retired a week before that too. Oh, I love this movie. I absolutely love this movie. It was amazing. <laughs> I, it, it it okay. So it, it's weird because it reminded me of Chasing Three Thousand, which is that movie where two brothers, one of them is like really sick, and they're traveling around trying to watch Roberto Clemente's Three Thousandth Hit. Not just because like this plot is pretty similar, but like that was my Three Thousandth movie, and I'm uh, like fifty away from Six Thousand. It's kind of funny how that works. But anyway, the movie is just immediately infectious from the joy of the actors that they're having to the soundtrack to the actual sports. It has these in jokes, and in one of the, like the funniest ways, it's all from like a different angle. It's like uh, in jokes about the actors too, which which is, is really self-referential and kind of insightful. And it's I think it's ab- absurdly cute watching this movie. Uh, Glenn Turman is amazing. He has this like one scene where I think it's the best acting I've seen in 2023. Uh, he's a, a, in the assisted living place with Rita Moreno. <coughs> Uh, he's he's amazing. Yeah, I, of course Terry mentions all the terrible actors that are in this, but he didn't mention Bob Balaban who's really funny. And um
1: he, t- he just shows in his uh, underwear. And,
2: and and Harry. Bob Balaban Hamlin. was
1: better in Lady in the Water. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever, Terry. I mean, Terry totally Hamlin uh, from from Mad Men, he he's he's great in this as well as a as a a former a former patriot, I believe. And Lily Tomlin, I think has most to play with she's uh, she absolutely shines and the movie has like a little bit of going in style in it, where it's like these old people playing out their last adventure, or like any of those comedies like Stand Up Guys or Marigold Hotel or whatever, where like reminding us like you could still be funny in your in your later age. And you could tell that they had a blast making this. There's a little bit of take me home tonight in it, definitely some of the league, and the slightest bit of Forrest gump. Uh I think Brady is amazing in this. Gronk isn't so good though. Uh, it, but it, it's it's unbelievable how well this movie works. The director is fantastic. The footage they have is pretty incredible. And I almost want to give it four stars, and, but I'm gonna I'm going with three. It's like a really high three stars. It's, this movie was 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 awesome. I was the only one under like 70 in the theater, but it was pretty packed.
1: I was the only one in the theater because I saw it at nine o'clock on a Friday night, and so everyone else that was interested in the movie was in bed. I, guess. <laughs> I mean, I, I saw it
2: at like 730 on Friday night and it was it, there was a lot of people there.
1: Another another fi- uh, another line I did laugh at. I had so I was, I was the only one in the theater. So I was constantly pulling on my phone and uh, texting myself quotes from this movie. But this was during the game uh, as the as the comeback is happening. It was a one good moment from the uh, Kyle Moffat, uh, Rob Cordry radio broadcast because they couldn't use the actual audio from the game. Uh, it, they say, Danny Amendola, he has a skull like a baby bird, but his hands are like Midas.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was like, what? Really? The, yeah. uh, we're going there. We're going there. But OK.
3: The one part I laughed at was uh, Rita Moreno's boyfriend, uh, Glenn Turman uh, when he pulls the fire alarm or he goes over the loudspeaker, excuse me, and says, Pat Sajak, <laughs> Pat Sajak is Sajak's finding autographs. Here. I like that. That was, that was the cl- most clever the movie ever got. Uh, but Ty, you're not, you're not just, you're you're not, this is, we're not being punked, right? I mean, you actually like this movie?
2: No, I mean, I, I, I really, really liked it. There, there was part of me that was given it three and a half stars. Like I, I, I had a blast watching this. And, it, and like I said, it, it, there's a lot of things like, it has a lot of that like fish out of water kind of thing, like going back to, doing something that you could have done in your past. Like I said, take me home tonight is what, what I thought of where, you know, going back to your like reunion with, but like reliving your high school days kind of thing. That's sort of what we're getting here. And uh, I mean, I, I thought it worked really well. And I mean, and I don't think I'm alone. There's this movie got really good reviews. You, you guys are, are heartless. I mean, you pro- I don't, I don't understand it. You're giving a thumbs up to that bullshit Shyamalan <laughs> movie, man. This, this movie actually killed.
1: <laughs> I don't understand how you like this
3: more than knock at the cabin that that is this isn't even a movie Th- this is just a collection of paychecks being cashed in like knock at the cabin is a story this is not a story this this is sitcomy situations with cutaways when the writing becomes too difficult like and 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 set pieces and situations it, like I mean, and then the scene when they're on drugs. I mean, how many how many movies are we going to have to see with old ladies getting going on drugs at parties? Like that was straight out of that that one movie with Blythe Danner. Like all we need is Martin Starr in this movie, and it's the same same thing. Like there's there's nothing original in this movie w- whatsoever, and and it, it's it's not funny or charming at all. But I'm glad you had a good time, and I agree with you. Pe- people are finding this movie charming, but I don't know how you can get behind a movie that is so. Like suspiciously aligned with Brady's actual retirement. I mean, I thought I thought we were cynical. You on this, love though. that I other thought, movie, don't you?
2: you love that right. champagne movie. I gave had
3: two and a half stars. I, I you, you you like to overstate that. I thought it was it was pleasant and way better than this movie. That movie had a story.
1: This movie that movie that a movie story. was
3: all, that was a kids movie. This movie actually <laughs> was funny. This movie is a little more mature. Yeah, that's true. Oh, look at that. That's amazing. I'm sure this is what Sally Field envisioned the end of her career to be like, and Jane Fonda and. It's just it's just depressing.
1: I, I will say, okay, a couple things. Sally first, Kirkland's
3: in this too. Another Oscar nominee.
1: I first I will say I this is I feel like this has a good rewatchable quality to it, though. Like I could hate watch this thing over and over again, and I and the more I'd watch it, I, the more I'd laugh at it, which is another reason why I'll give it one and a half instead of completely dump on it. But okay, my conspiracy theory. I have this conspiracy theory. Did anybody notice the last scene of the movie? The last scene of the movie, like the cutaway scene, when they're all, uh, when, uh, when they're sitting on the beach, talking to Tom Brady about retiring, right. And then Tom Brady retires in a in a
2: oh, in a TikTok like, video you're it was on the, the beach. same The same location. All <laughs> totally.
1: That's. I mean, this is this is all. It was all a promotion. I, I'm expecting in a week for Tom Brady to come out and say psych it was all to promote my movie go see it it's 80 for brady
3: it was exactly the same as lebron in space jam that was his whole thing too he's got to sell sell his brand sell his name this is not a movie this is an advertisement
2: It still it worked pretty well and okay exactly- and, i mean and, okay, and, and me and zach yeah like okay i guess you don't like forrest gump either but like you saying that the like uh Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, she she gets on the headset and, and changes the the game or whatever. That's Forrest Gump. That's the for the whole premise of Forrest Gump. Like there there is there is some of that in this movie. I I, I, I don't understand either of your criticisms of it. I feel like you were you were gonna hate it from the get go, and I'm not. I don't
3: even like Tom Brady, but the, I thought this movie was charming as hell. I noticed that they didn't talk at all about Deflate Gate or Spygate or Brady endorsing Trump, like it's not gonna it's not gonna focus on anything negative in his career it's not gonna talk about the losses to the giants it's not didn't touch on the the next year when they lost to the eagles like it's only just this perfect vision of tom brady being per- they didn't even they didn't even talk about how he went did to somebody Tampa. see him. i
1: they, they, i was i was totally expecting to like this movie because like you said it had been getting great reviews and everything and then i walked in there and within five minutes i went wait this is what
3: this movie is it's gonna be this it the would have been time... funny to have a scene with giselle it's, or Bridget it's total, just like <laughs> <out> <laughs> of water, that would have been, been
1: funny yeah uh, i mean it's weird enough it's, seeing it's... him in
2: a patriots jersey like <laughs> the, fact that, the fact that he agreed to do that but they had to set it around that one because when you find out when the movie is set you're like okay i kind of know where this is gonna end, end up going but
3: is that bad that i knew that that wasn't tom brady's haircut from that super bowl
0: well,
2: yeah, that, that was
3: also a continuity error that I didn't I didn't appreciate that, that they like your CGI fandom that? of Brady is what's killing this movie for you. Yeah. Like, well, well, that like was oh, man, were... that game was played at night.
1: They watched it during the day. It could have been a recording. <laughs> They're old. Did they CGI his hair like or just him in general?
3: Oh, I don't think so. That I mean, that looks because like he, he's today. like
1: he's like 20 pounds lighter and has and has a lot more hair now.
2: You guys are know. heartless. This movie was awesome. I don't know.
3: It, uh, and, and let's talk I would have about texted you after it watching the movie. Showed, was great if we were it never reviewing. showed Lily Tomlin's house <laughs> on the exterior. It only showed that shot from the exact same angle of her sitting on the couch. And you're going to get mad at Shyamalan for not I know. moving why, camera why, 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 That was like out is, of a sitcom. That was a CBS sitcom right there.
1: It, it is. It's an hour and a half sitcom episode. That's really what this is. 90s sitcom episode. This is, this is the Golden Girls do the Super Bowl. That's what this is. I yep. mean,
2: it could have easily it's really been. Special. It's always sunny in Philadelphia, but I mean, it, but it doesn't matter because the, the movie still works. It's still funny. The reason why those those shows are great and why why people watch them is because people really like them, and it's this is really funny. I'm not even a fan of sitcoms. You this camera side of Todd.
3: This is okay. I this remember is ridiculous. The, you, you guys, you you guys ridiculous. <laughs> half a star. <laughs> You like you like old people. I think that's your thing. You don't like the young kids. You didn't like the little girl and knock at the cabin. You would have you would have killed her first. You would have voted for her to die. You like the old people in the movies. You like the comedian, the Robert De Niro movie that I also thought was insufferable. You like the you uh the, the movie that you're going in style. You like the old people getting together and uh you know, doing something wild and wacky before they they bite the dust. That's that's. I your was vomit. not a
2: fan of the bucket list, though. That was the one I didn't like. Well, there were only well, two. The
1: bucket of them.
3: list was fine. Not four of them. I, I
1: I'm, I'm, uh, I, I'm, I bet you are uh, eagerly awaiting the sequel coming out next month, starring Jane Fonda, Mary Steenburgen, uh, and Diane Keaton, and <laughs> oh, whoever man. the hell the other one is in that weird book club sequel that they're making. Like, how did Jane Fonda make two of these at the same time?
2: I don't know. I, I can't remember the last time I saw her in something.
1: You remember? Do you know what movie I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it looks the exact same. It's the exact same movie, and apparently, it's a sequel of another movie.
2: The longest Some trailer I stuff. saw before this movie was Titanic,
1: <laughs> which I, I mean,
2: it still looks awesome. I,
1: but I, I, yeah, I was gonna say, I, I totally want to go see that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, when the last it time it theaters. was
2: re-released, I saw it in 3D. It was. I mean, I went. It yep. was like I wish I saw. I, it I, then, I went and so. saw that
1: too. I went and saw that too. Totally. You'll see it again. All right. Book Club the next chapter. That's what I was talking about. Comes out May 12th. Oh uh, Candace Bergen is the other one. Jane Fonda, Mary Steenbergen, Perfect. Diane Keaton, Candace Bergen.
3: Did you like the first Wives Club, Todd? I've never Th- seen that's, it. that's like this lane. Or like uh, what about Enchanted April with Joan Plowright? <laughs> that's, that's Wasn't that an Oscar-nominated well? The role. Cemetery Club. That was old lady movie. Uh, no, I mean, it's,
2: it's all like right. all those movies, like th- there was that, that that string that started with like red and then there was the Marigold Hotel. And then yeah, it was like all these movies were were popping up or it was like it was starring like uh, older people getting into antics. And I think they all work. Yeah,
3: that exactly. is that. That's what we've learned on this. Honestly, podcast. I think that's this is the first one
1: life. of that that genre. Like you're right. It's been a genre. I think this is the first one of those I've actually seen. And now I'm kind of glad that this is the only one I've seen. So,
2: this actually is the best reviewed of all of them, too, which is scary to think what you guys actually would think of some of those other
1: ones. With that said, I might, I I wouldn't mind watching it again just so I could laugh at it, not with it. So, all right, we're moving on. We got to, we got to move on. Uh, 80 for Brady, it's in theaters. Todd gave it three stars. I'm giving it one and a half. Zach is giving it half a star. It's in theaters. If this sounds interesting at all, go see it. Zach, okay. not a
3: fan of older people. No, no, or Tom Brady, who, who's not that far off in his age from these women. Like the the median age in this movie is like sixty eight.
2: <laughs> well, no, the oldest, think, the no, cast two of I've them were slingin'. over eighty, and then Marita Moreno is like ninety something, and yeah,
1: she's like ninety two, and Sally Field's seventy something, field which they actually make a
2: yeah, they make yeah. a joke about that,
3: like. I'm not 80s, and Disney reader like, oh, neither am I. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was a good light, too. When this movie goes to streaming or airs on cable TV, what network is it going to air on? Like, It's going to be like Oxygen or like A&E. It, <laughs> like, it couldn't be on an actual network. It has to be on like an old woman network, right? Freeform?
2: But if it it's freeform. actually playing on TV... yeah,
1: NFL Network.
2: Yeah, I was going to say it probably would be... <laughs> An NFL network. is I mean, having, right.
1: having a deal with NFL like that to make this movie, it ha- or, it would have to be an NFL network. Or depending the off on
2: if, if Brady is working for like NBC, it could be on Peacock or something. I mean, it, it all depends on where he works, I guess.
1: All right, we're actually moving on now because we've got a lot still to do. Because now it's time for a deep dive.
3: I need another drink. Yeah, we're gonna need uh, more drinks after. We're
1: this. Get, we're, <laughs> <laughs>
2: It's not too late, Zach. No, those
1: were two of our most divisive. <laughs> you're you're, you're
2: maybe attempting, man.
1: <laughs> divisive. I wasn't uh, expecting this, man. That was a lot of fun. I was
2: not expecting a four stars for the Shyamalan movie. Jeez, <laughs>
1: we're all
3: over the place. Half star, four stars. I was not you expecting any stars. any thumbs up for eighty for Brady. Let's calm down. It's only that February. disaster. I
2: was, I was closer to four stars than two stars.
3: Well, <laughs> gosh.
1: Okay, well, let's what move on. Deep Dive. Deep Dive time. We are celebrating the 15th anniversary of Burn After Reading.
0: Osborne. Osborne Cox. Who am I speaking to? What you're engaged in is blackmail. I'm a mere good Samaritan.
1: Who- Give me the CD or the money! Book. I feel like this is like kind of a forgotten movie. Uh, especially in in the in in the coen brothers oeuvre it is a forgotten movie that's my malkovich impression um but uh it's a great movie and uh, i was reminded of that as i was watching it for for a podcast this week so let's get to trivia let's get going on this todd i believe you're hosting correct
2: yeah yeah we're gonna do the uh the trivia where we hold up the answer and oh, stuff, shit. we we need to get this moving. Get
1: this. Yeah, we do. Okay, all right.
2: And the uh, the way you do your Malkovich impression, Terry, is it is a forgotten movie. <laughs> that's that's how you do Malkovich,
1: <laughs> it's a crucifixion,
3: <laughs> <laughs> you moron. <laughs> I have a drinking problem. This is a crucifixion was one of my regal lines, by the
0: way.
1: Oh.
3: As he's shooting his arms out, which he does later
2: when he's uh when he's on the exercise thing. I am
1: back. I am back.
2: All right. I have 10 questions worth 12 points. Um I don't know. This is gonna be kind of weird, but we'll we'll see how this goes all right this this question you don't get too chan- too long to think about it you have five seconds to get your answer how many acting oscars does this cast have oh d- d- uh, five four three two one okay zach says 12 terry says 10. i guess i'll give the one to the closer one it's only seven um uh, wow so um terry gets the point because you have uh, three from Francis McDormand, one from Brad Pitt, uh, one from George Clooney, one from Tilda Swinton.
3: Oh, and one from JK Simmons I, I thought... and Jenkins too.
2: Yeah, well, yeah. What I
1: thought I thought you meant nom- nominees nominations. You you said wins. Yeah, wins. Oh, oh I thought okay. you meant
2: nominations too. Uh, well, yeah, that would be a lot more then. <laughs> but yeah, and, and and if you count non acting wins too,
3: then you have another we one for Pitt, pull a vantage point tournament. and rewind that. I feel like he for sure he said nominations. I, I think we was. just panicked I, I because I just he gave said, us five seconds. <laughs> I think I just said Maybe. acting Oscars. I didn't. I guess I
2: didn't say uh, nominations. But either way, uh, I think. I mean, it'd be way more than twelve nominations. <laughs> There'd probably be like thirty. <laughs> um, okay. Well, you're right. I give Terry the point because I think I have. Well,
1: hold story. on, hold on. How many? How many more would there actually be? One more for Simmons. Uh, one for, for Francis. two for Jenkins. How many how many does Francis actually have? Oh, yeah, two. Probably. I guess two more for Francis, and then one wait, more for uh, Clooney,
2: three more for Pitt, probably. Uh, yeah. I think Clooney has four nominations, right? He has uh, Up in the Air, Michael Clayton, oh, uh, Descendants, Descendants, and then and, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, uh, it'd be a lot, and then yeah. yeah, I don't know. Okay, maybe I misspoke. I, th- oh, I think
1: no. you're right. You said acting Oscars and we just, we just, both of us immediately went to nominations because we were panicking.
2: Okay. Uh, what condition does Harry say he has? Okay. I Terry. Terry says a lot. La- lactose
1: reflux. That is correct. And <laughs> shoot at the, at the I hip? Don't know. <laughs> is it lactose point. intolerant or acid reflux? They're different there. things.
2: <laughs> exactly. Um, what was also on the plate that had Osborne's note on t- to Katie saying that he was going to the reunion party? What was also on the plate that had the note? Terry knows this.
1: I watched this movie twice in the last 24 hours, mm-hmm. so oh, that's the go. only reason. <laughs> I, wouldn't so... have, I wouldn't have uh, gotten this if I only watched it once. <laughs>
2: All right, what, what do we got? Terry obviously has lime wedges, squeeze limes, yep, and uh, shoot at the hip. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Terry's up three to nothing. I, I don't know. I don't know how many times you guys have seen this. I've seen this now a total of two. So, um, <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know how well you guys knew it. So I, I I've have seen, it, some... I've seen
1: it twice in the last twenty four hours, and I think that brings me to four.
3: Hmm. Zach, uh, I thought I'd seen it more, but I guess not. I, I don't know. Okay,
2: what what who does Chad say has a sense of humor in his dating profile? Uh, uh the uh, I mean, him you have the right guy that they're talking about, sort of, but it's not. Uh, as Zach said Alan's barber. I got nothing. Terry's got nothing. It's Alan's optometrist. Oh, we
3: oh, right. get a half point asses. for yeah. that. Give him a half point.
2: Because I'm not gonna win. The... <laughs> okay, fine. Well, uh, half a point. I got back.
3: screwed over with the Oscar question. <laughs>
2: What uh? What kind of car does Harry drive? Now, there's a lot of cars that they show people driving, but uh, they do show Harry driving uh, a one very specific car.
1: Harry
3: drives. I can name like every other car in this movie. Me too. I not. I don't remember. There's a reason Harry why driving. I chose
2: this car to uh, to ask about. <laughs> I don't, that probably gives it away to somebody. Uh, five, four, three, two, one. It is a. What does Zach say? a Ford. No, it's a it's a Buick station wagon. I have a, and wow. I, I drive I drive a Buick.
1: Ah, uh, that that's why he asked the question. Uh,
2: okay, me. where and how long was Ted a Greek Orthodox priest? Worth two points. Right now it's three to a half a point. Uh, Zach gets one point.
1: Oh yeah, he's right.
2: Uh, Terry gets uh no points i guess he was closer on the years uh zach said chevy chase six years terry says rhode island 10 years it was chevy chase for 14 years so zach gets a point uh what is there a picture of in harry's bathroom (laughs) zach says alan's barber
3: uh that would be impressive (laughs) But, see, it's all, uh, it all, it's all con- big conspiracy. I got nothing. Yeah, Terry's got nothing. It, it, I mean, it's a
2: picture of a big gun, which is something you don't ever see in a bathroom. Yeah. That's what I thought about. Um, what does Sandy know about Seattle? Worth two points. Or why do they always send us to Seattle. Zach says it's cold and rainy. Terry says lots of bookstores and rains all the time. Lots of
1: independent bookstores.
2: Independent bookstores, yep. Yeah. Uh and that that is the correct thing. Uh so Zach gets a point and Terry gets two points. What else are they going to do? Exactly. Uh we're okay. Where was Chad's body dumped? Uh, okay. Uh Potomac River, uh the Chesapeake. Terry gets the points the Chesapeake River. I mean those are the two Chesapeake options. Chesapeake. So <laughs> Bay. Bay. <laughs> yeah. um, And now worth two points, uh, the final question, it is, uh, Terry has already won this, it is six to two and a half. Uh, Who was next? Who are the next two people that were going to be coming on Good Morning Seattle after Sandy gets done? Zach is writing quickly. He either knows this or he's got something funny to say. Um, Terry has nothing. I could tell.
1: By the way, flawed. There is no good morning Seattle. There come is on no good people. morning Seattle. That, is true. that was that was crap.
2: Dermot Mulroney and Ellen's Barber. Well,
1: <laughs> Dermot Mulroney's right. That's right.
2: Dermot <laughs> Mulroney is
3: correct. Uh, uh, and it
1: was like someone that was going to come out and do cooking.
3: It was yeah. The Sultan of Salad is, is the oh, other one. Oh yeah, I remember that. That was an interesting.
2: So, uh, but yeah, the final score is six tough. to three and a half. Terry is the expert of
3: this movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, so, I thought uh, I knew I'll... this movie. Well, those, those questions were things I did not remotely pay attention to.
2: Well,
1: I even gave you an There's Oscar are... question and you
3: just didn't listen closely enough, I guess.
1: <laughs> I, I would say the only one after watching it once, the only one of those I would have gotten would have been the lactose reflux because that was a funny line. That was the only one you would have gotten total, the whole thing. Oh, in the Chesapeake. In the Chesapeake.
2: Not the Seattle line.
1: Nah, well, I thought about... I, I didn't write it down until the second time through, but I thought about writing it down the first time, I for, but I forgot to. Anyways, alright, so let's talk about this movie. So I'm the one that picked this. And uh, when I picked it, uh, it was great, because the reaction from both of you was pretty much exactly the same. Like, one, surprising pick. Two, great pick. Because this is a movie, like I said, I feel like it's a very forgotten Coen Brothers movie. And looking back at it, as I was looking through all the possible movies that we could talk about and we could do a deep dive of, I I was like, that is a fun movie. And it's got a lot of kooky characters. And it's going to be a really fun deep dive. But it's not one I really look back on and be like oh yeah i need to revisit burn after reading but it's totally one that's worth it because uh because going back to it like i saw this in the theaters um because i would say this came out in 08 zach and i were in college we might have even seen this together depending on when it was released um and uh i will say we most likely saw the trailer to this together because this had one of the greatest trailers of all time, uh, the red oh, band trailer, trailer for this was awesome, uh, and uh, and that totally sold the movie, and and that's all you needed was was to see this trailer. And the movie was, I mean, it's a little out there, but I loved it. And then I I have the DVD. That's how I watched the movie. It's on HBO Max right now, but I have the DVD, uh, and I probably watched it once I got the DVD. And haven't picked it up in 10 years. And so I watched it again this week and, and remembered how great this movie is and uh, watching it this, uh, this time, I realized the closest relative in, in Coen brothers to burn after reading is probably Fargo. Cause if you think about it, what would a, it, it's like they took Fargo and said, how could we make a kooky crime comedy drama like Fargo in Washington, DC and burn after reading was made like that. That's basically what happened here. They took the premise of Fargo and said, how can we make something quirky like that in DC? And this is how you do it. You make it like this where you've got a couple people at a fitness center who uh stumble across cia secrets they think and the hijinks that happen afterwards it ends up blowing up in the in everyone's face so uh it's a fun movie it's everything that the coen brothers do well and uh yeah i really enjoyed revisiting this todd how about you
2: uh yeah so i i remember liking this when it came out but i hadn't seen it since but there is a thing where i'm not the biggest fan of, like, the Coen brothers' comedies. Like, I mean, I don't think when they're doing straight comedy, I'm not really a fan. I don't really... That's fair. I've never really been a fan of The Big Lebowski. I don't like Entourable Cruelty or The Lady Killers or... I mean, the one I do like is Fa- Raising Arizona, but that's a cager, so it's almost, you know, doesn't count. But, like, the the, the thing... There, there's a lot of interesting characters in this movie, but they're all just so dumb. It is, like, distracting how dumb they are. And you... It, I mean, you can't really ever fully buy it but i understand why you picked it and and there is there is a lot going on and there there is uh i mean i mean there are some incredible actors doing doing their thing and especially malkovich but i mean to me the the flaws that i saw originally with it which if i wasn't super high on it still stand and that's not the the, there's no main character there really should be a main character because you have such an interesting performance by john (laughs) malkovich absolutely in his element he needed to be more the main character in this movie, and then you then you would have an absolute classic. And, I, and that's why I think is holding the movie back is because there's just a lot of a lot of people. And the, the most main character is probably George Clooney, who's one of the weaker parts of the movie. It, I don't know it's it's there, there's something holding it back, but it is it is the Coens, so the writing is still really sharp, and it is and it is pretty funny, and and, and actors doing things that they probably don't do in any other movie.
3: Zach, did we see this together? I don't think so. Uh, although it's, it's possible. I think it was a summer
1: release, so probably I, yeah, not.
3: I remember it was like the end of the summer it came out. Yeah, uh, I think there are Joel movies and there are Ethan movies. A Joel movie, for example, is True Grit. A Joel movie is Ballad of Buster Scruggs. A Joel movie is Miller's Crossing. You know, an Ethan movie is more quirky, weird and maybe like unsatisfying so like i feel like this is totally an ethan movie i think hail caesar is an ethan movie uh, the movies that that have uh, intolerable cruelty probably more of an ethan movie i feel like todd and i had this drunken conversation in vegas at some point yeah. but i ethan feel he has
2: his own movie coming out this year by the way i love right, how they the... split and they're doing their own thing is that the
3: jerry lee lewis documentary no it's an actual an actual like feature movie oh i was gonna say because jerry lee lewis took a page out of tom brady's playbook and died right around the time that movie was coming out too so <laughs> good, good move by him
2: <laughs> but um, it
3: has it has uh, margaret Qualley in it well there we go uh so uh, i really like this movie a lot um it's kind of interesting in a way you know it was the, cohen's coming off of their oscar win and just like they had a decade earlier after their oscar win from fargo um with the big lebowski they went just a completely different way they totally zagged they did a weird goofy comedy that people didn't quite understand and maybe still don't quite understand a movie that is gleefully un oscar uh n- zero oscar bait in this movie except for the fact that this cast has way more than 12 acting nominations i never would have guessed that if that was the, the there's no way they had 12 wins it's a but anyway um seven wins is insane though yeah seven wins it it, 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 almost half of them are like the director's wife so that's true (laughs) now if just dermot mulroney can win an oscar i mean we're all waiting for that day at some point um but yeah, I mean, this movie is so weird and goofy, and um, you know, in a weird kind of way. Even though I guess the point of the movie, according to J.K. Simmons, is that none of it makes sense. I actually feel like this is a Cohen's movie that actually makes more sense than most Cohen movies. Like the screenplay does, I, you're able to follow the action. I think sometimes clearly, pretty clearly. Some Cohen movies I just don't get. Like I couldn't, I couldn't tell you the plot of Miller's Crossing. That movie confuses me. But um, this movie, uh, you know, you, you understand all the characters, and you either like the characters or you don't. and I love these characters. I think they are hilarious. like the, the Tilda Swinton John Malkovich Marriage. <laughs> Should be its own TV show or movie, and as we've already alluded to, Malkovich just owns in this movie. I mean, he comes in with this big dick energy and just destroys. Okay, I mean, if you thought Teddy KG, KGB or his performance of being John Malkovich was like, I mean, this is this is the the hammiest that Malkovich get, gets in a supporting role in every scene. It's with the him same in. as Conair. It's the same yeah. character. Yeah. <laughs> it is something that all That's clever. <laughs> <laughs> but see, but see the genius of this movie is then you also have Tilda Swinton coming in and doing her thing. And then, and then, okay, this is the real genius of the movie. Cause you know, we now live in an era where everybody thinks Brad Pitt is a great comic actor. This was his first comedy. Like no one thought Brad Pitt could do comedy before this movie. The movies he did before this movie were were Babel and uh, uh, Benjamin Button came out later in the year, and this this set the tone for um, Inglorious Bastards and a little bit of one spot time in Hollywood and the comic Brad Pitt that we know and love at this point. And he's perfect in that role. And then McDormand's kind of doing her far, a spinoff of Marge Gunderson a little bit, but it's also a little different. And then Clooney is kind of like the anti Michael Clayton. Like it's, it's a perfect zag from everything you would have expected, except for John Malkovich out of these people in 2008. <laughs> and it's, it's wonderful. Um, The problem I have with the movie, I had this problem when it came out when I, I guess, allegedly saw it with Terry. I'm not sure. Um, To me, this is like just four stars. Amazing. But then what the hell is with the last 10 minutes of this movie? Did they just run out of steam? Like, did the movie run out of a budget? Why did the movie end that way? Like, that seems that that's also classic Ethan to end a movie that way. But it's like so the jokes on us, I guess. But like, I don't know why they couldn't have just showed, you know, Malkovich getting shot or whatever, or them dispensing the body and not the Potomac, the Chesapeake, excuse me. Like, why did why was that just in the dialogue at the end of the movie? And then why the bird's eye shot, the drone shot out of the Pentagon? Like, I I don't, I don't get it. I I've lost me. Well, yeah, I, I get it, but like, why not just why not just shoot the last twenty minutes of the movie? You have a great movie. Let's like let's just end it for real. I think they, it's
2: more funny to think of. Clooney trying to board a flight to Argentina than it is to
3: actually Venezuela. see him at the airport.
1: Venezuela. See, I don't Venezuela. even
3: remember. Venezuela. I don't even remember what happens at the end of the movie. Like the, that dialogue to me, <laughs> I don't pay attention to. I, like I didn't even know. Oh, those—that was, they, those, uh, that was <laughs> that's <laughs> the best part of the movie. The, the like the the back
2: and forth between the agent and the. No, like, that's
3: the weakest su- part of the movie jk
2: the- simmons doesn't even have a character name in this movie his, 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 his CIA, cia superior, superior. He, his, him and his and his guy palmer Bakey smith like the, the, those are the best parts of the movie
1: it, it is and, a very he's the guy he's the guy he's who has a, a conversation with uh with malkovich in the first scene yeah he's
2: he's the one at the behind the desk but yeah. it, it, there's a very almost uh like uh austin powers type of like D- line delivery between them and like just be like i i i, I don't know they're, there's they 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 have they have a really good rapport rapport is how you say it not report <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> so...
0: <Moron>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this came out uh this came out september 12th 2008 so Zach, you were already back on campus at this point. I was into my first year of teaching. There's a chance we we saw this together, but probably Maybe. not. Probably not. Uh yeah. And I I love you. Cast Brad Pitt, a a, a forty six I think year old Brad Pitt at the time, as a like twenty five to thirty year old fitness instructor. I mean.
2: I think he's just stuck at that job, man. He loves it. I don't. I don't think he's actually supposed to be younger, but he does oh, play it he, like he is. He,
1: play, he plays it like he is.
3: Um, yeah. The, the right. Dave Franco part. I can, <laughs> To me, this is a hangout movie. I wish this movie didn't have a plot. I don't care about the plot. These are just such great characters. It it it's it's maybe the closest that uh, the Coens ever got to Tarantino because these people are all so bad. They're they're really horrible people, and they all are idiots, like Todd said. Why does anything need to happen? I, like, I just want to live in that marriage of uh, Malkovich and Swinton. That is amazing. I want to go to their parties with, where George Clooney shows up. I want to hang out at the gym. Like, I just want to live in the world of this movie.
1: All right. Well, let's get into some of the stuff we're talking about with this. Um, I, I feel like we could go on just talking about the movie for, for the entire podcast. But let's get into some of these categories that we've uh, we've prepped for this. And we're doing a Mount Rushmore here, and our idea for Mount Rushmore was CIA films, uh, because this is a CIA film, somewhat, I guess.
2: <laughs> there are CIA characters.
1: There, there are CIA, CIA superior. Um, so uh, let's see here. We're gonna start with uh, we're gonna start with Todd. Todd, submit uh, your your pick to the Mount Rushmore of CIA films.
2: Okay. Uh... I think I'm going to go with the movie about the founding of the CIA, which was also my most anticipated movie of all time when it came out. That's The Good good Shepherd. Uh, Could have seen that uh, coming. Directed by Robert De Niro, starring Matt Damon, and I don't know, more Oscar winners than this movie has. shit. That movie is probably the most loaded (laughs) cast of all time. Angelina Jolie, Alec Baldwin, Joe Pesci uh william hurt uh i don't know who was in there billy crude up it, it, it's a it's a great movie it's a very cold slow building thriller that i absolutely love i've seen it probably three or four times and um i, I mean it was like the the most anticipated movie i've ever i've ever had and um and probably always will be so more than clark's a... three <clears throat> that was only of last fall but yes that was also very Highly
1: anticipated. We
2: should do a power rankings of most anticipated movies of our lives.
1: I think I've only seen that once, and I, I and we saw that together, right? Because that was our yeah. uh, Good Shepherd Rocky Balboa double feature with a stop at Denny's in between.
2: That is correct. Wow. Yes. That sounds yeah. like Yeah.
1: It was. It was. Uh. That was It, it that was that like in. It was like over winter break, and yeah, we my, walked to Denny's. Right?
2: My yeah, it was yeah. It would have been my first in my first year in college. Yeah, yeah. We walked to Denny's. Yeah, because that, that theater, which became a two dollar theater, and I don't think it's even around anymore now. Uh,
1: sad, sad. Yeah. All right, Zach, you're next.
3: All right, I'm going to go with. Uh, I only had one that I thought of, and if someone stole it for me, I wouldn't know what to do. But I'm going the year before 2007 breach. Yeah. Chris Cooper, Ryan Philippe. Felipe, hmm. I don't know if that's his name. Philippe. Uh, Philippe excuse me. Uh, directed by Billy Ray. Uh, amazing movie um, based on a true story about the uh, the biggest con man who ever uh, lived in the CIA. Con-, con man in the sense that he sold secrets to Russia. Unlike Francis McDormand, did it successfully. Um, and uh, <laughs> he was, his name was Robert Hanson. He's played by Chris Cooper. And maybe the Chris Cooper character in this movie could be my recasting for John Malkovich. He's not, but he could be like, he has that same sort of just complete admonishment of the world and the belief that it's a, you know, a, a a league of idiots that are after him. And Ryan Phillippe is great as his protege, but ultimately the one that is, uh, you know, hired to, uh, sniff out all of his devious misdoings and um, he's also kind of a stick man in the movie because he has a real thing for Catherine Zeta-Jones and has a videotape of entrapment in his desk that he watches from time to time for you know his kinkiness Um, anyway I love that movie I'm looking at the websites my number four of 2007 I still think it probably is that high for me I think it's a, a really great one of the great underrated movies of the 2000s
1: I haven't seen that movie in a long time, but I loved that movie too. That was the first movie I thought of when you said, when when, when we decided CIA movies, I went, what? You mean like Breach? That was the first movie that I meant.
3: Breach and Burn After Reading are actually not that far apart. It's just that (laughs) one is a serious movie and one is like as unserious as possible. They are sort of similar characters, Malkovich and Chris Cooper.
1: All right. So uh, my pick for Mount Rushmore, I'm going to go with possibly the move, the best movie about one of the coolest CIA operations of all time, and that's Argo.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, because it's a great movie, and just the absurdity of that story, and the fact that it's all true is just ridiculous and amazing. It's a Best Picture winner, uh, even though Ben Affleck wasn't nominated for Best Director. I'd like to thank the Academy. Um... <laughs> yeah uh it's a it, it it's amazing it it's the it's the best worst idea we have so. so
2: the best bad idea we have Best
1: bad idea yeah
2: yeah man cranston belonged in this movie yeah. Really awesome. <laughs> um oh, yeah that was one of the ones i had pulled off
1: osborne cox <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right are, do we want to go burn after reading as our uh, as our consensus pick here?
3: Well, the only one that's missing is where's the recruit, Todd? I mean, Wait, I, I the other
2: ones I had written down oh. were the recruit and Sicario. Oh. I, I mean, Ooh. but I mean, I, I mean, burn after reading, obviously. I mean, I mean, it's not it's not really about the CIA, but I mean, there are <laughs> CIA agents in it.
1: I, I would I would go with the recruit over burn after reading.
2: What about Sicario? Sicario, like Brolin's character, he got his own spin-off movie, pretty much. From, I I love Sicario, but I'm probably
3: the biggest fan of of, of the three of us.
1: Yeah, Sicario's fine, but I mean the recruits. I think I awesome. like
3: the Land of Sol- Soldado more.
2: So, uh oh, Land what is it Soldado Land of the Sicario? Is there? Or, it's like something. Yeah. Sicario, yeah. Sicario. I like both land of them. The Soldado. I I don't love either. Day of the 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 Soldado. I knew
1: knew none of those sounded right.
2: Yeah, Yeah, me too.
1: (laughs) All right. So what are we we doing? Burn After Reading, The Recruit, (laughs) Have you even
3: seen The Recruit, Zach? I've never seen The Recruit, no. no, We can't go
1: with The Recruit. Academy Award winner, Colin Farrell. (laughs) We're going Burn After Reading. I don't think any of us are going to argue with that. No. I feel like we all have the same opinion of this movie. We love it, but it's like, we forget about it because it gets lost in everything else the Coen Brothers did.
2: Yeah, True. yeah, we agree on one movie we talked about today. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, agree completely. Okay, let's do some recasting of this. Um, we're gonna start with uh, I, I. I just went on IMDb and Chad was the first one listed, so we're starting with Chad Feldheimer, played by Brad Pitt. Okay. Here was the problem I ran into with, with this recasting. I feel like everyone in this movie doesn't age. Like all five of the people we're going to recast could play these characters today and it would still work.
2: Like it, it There's it, no way Francis McDormand's working in a gym.
1: That that was the one I was like like her and Brad Pitt are like the the ones that have maybe aged a little too much to still fit in the characters they've had but other than that like this movie would work today with this exact same cast which made this made this a little a little difficult but uh we're still going to try for it um I decided for Chad to try and go with someone who actually was the age he's playing in this <laughs> um I'm going Austin Butler
3: That's I actually thought weird. about Austin Butler. That's not that's not terrible. But would I, I, he I, would he have his real Elvis voice or his fake Elvis voice? So I, I saw
1: there was an article that came out this week that, that talked about his his struggle in losing his Elvis voice and how he actually damaged his vocal cords doing the movie, and which is one of the reasons why he still is stuck in, in the Elvis twang. But uh <laughs> it, it was, Brad, I
2: love it
1: was <laughs> <laughs> Quentin, brother. All right, Todd, what do you got? Uh,
2: well, I went with somebody who was around those same age as Pitt was in this movie, and he, it's absolutely the kind of role that he would play and should play, and that's Ryan Reynolds. It's <laughs> it, that I mean, it's like almost uncanny, like that is a Ryan Reynolds role, even more so than a Brad Pitt role, even though after you see Brad Pitt do it, it's like Ryan Reynolds would be absolutely hilarious <laughs> doing that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, that would work, that would work well. I was thinking almost like a Chris Hemsworth too, but that wouldn't that wouldn't quite be the same. It wouldn't quite be the same.
3: Zach, I went uh, contrast was the big theme for me with that character, so I went with the person you would least expect because you would have least expected Brad Pitt in that role in two thousand eight. So I went with uh, Paul Walker Hauser. <laughs> Maybe he's more of a body bodybuilder, like weightlifter, than he is into cardio. But I really want to see him in like a sweaty tank top, like throwing that ball and like doing the back and forth and, you know, like listening with his headphones and like, I I, I want sweat coming out of that man. I want him on a Schwinn bicycle.
1: You think that's a Schwinn?
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, okay, now, Zach, we are avoiding the the real perfect recasting for this because... As we were watching this, my wife once again brought up the perfect recasting for this, and that is one Brian Beagley that we went to college with, because that this character is based theories. on Brian Beagley. Yeah, yeah, I
3: wrote it down. That was a conspiracy theory. Yeah, <laughs> that, is, that that, that I guess really that true. has to be the recasting. That's really, it, and you know, I know it sounds like we're joking, but I'm pretty sure that's a big reason that we saw this movie and enjoyed this movie because of how uncanny that character resembled in every single way, Brian Beagley, right down to he the wouldn't have worn too. his suit
2: while he was on his bike, he would have had it hanging from his helmet.
1: <laughs> this is true. That's this is true. true. Yeah. The, the the scene where he's like, well, I was going to ride my bike. I was like, oh man. Oh man. It's, it's too much. It's too much. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Next. We've got Linda Litsky played by Francis McDormand. And for that, I went with Leslie, man. I think it's perfect. Mm-hmm. She'd be perfect <laughs> in that role.
3: So Judd Apatow is the director. <laughs> yeah.
1: Potentially, potentially. Todd, uh,
2: around the right age, the exact same character that she could play easily. It's Vera Formiga. I, I I think oh, that
3: wow, yeah. resemblance.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, there are there sometimes when when she when uh, McDormand's talking that I even thought it like this sounds like Vera Formiga. It was just, and it's it's a zag. It's nothing that you would think that she would do which is this is not a mcdormand character at all i've never seen her do like slapsticky kind of stuff before and this would be really funny to see vera vermiga do something like that
3: could she have her terrible boston accent from the departed i guess it's in washington dc she should though he's my cad um (laughs) so uh i went with jane fonda uh, <laughs> obviously someone well known in the world of fitness and also well known in the world of uh, unnecessary uh, facial reconstruction surgeries um you know there's a lot of verisimilitude with her demanding thousands of dollars for facelifts so um, i like it she could wear she could have the same wigs as she has in 80 for brady um maybe she's more of an rg3 fan because it's in washington um yeah I think linda's never gonna write a book though her memoirs.
1: Memoir? Yeah, probably not. Her memoir.
3: <laughs> yeah, because uh. she was the one that wrote the Gronk fan fiction. That was just <laughs> terrible, too. I mean, that I was expecting something. There should have been. You want to talk about me being lazy for you know for comparing women talking to me. Talk about laziness in that scene. That could have been so much funnier. The, the idea that she was the person who wrote all the Gronk erotic fan fiction and just nothing. It's, it was comedy uh. dead zone. All right. Well, back
1: to burn after reading. We're just gonna keep going back to this stuff the whole the whole time. Harry Farrer, played by George Clooney. Uh, I'm gonna go. I, I went with Leonardo DiCaprio. I mean, th- this yeah, basically that's, is that's Leo. Good. At this point,
2: see the problem is that Harry is so dumb. This is not a George Clooney role, and that he's the one part that takes me out of watching the movie. Because it's a, he's so wrong in that role, which is why I went with somebody who plays who's like that kind of like ladies' man sort of thing, but is also played dumb before and really good at it, and that's Sean William Scott. I, I think he's the perfect lead for this kind of movie, and it, he. I don't know. Just don't you think Stifler is more of a is, is more of the kind of persona that that fits in that role than you know. Somebody who's really buttoned up, like the George Clooney. I don't know. I mean, it's, I don't know. Sean William Scott is the right kind of actor would, for that role. It would
1: be it'd be too shticky. Like it it would be.
3: But why is Clooney doing? It would turn that, into though?
1: an. turn because it's the Coens.
3: I but mean, Clooney is the wrong Clooney, actor. I think Clooney's great in the movie. I, he's I the wrong him. actor completely no, for this movie. This is. I, one, I think that this little key is probably his best Coen Brothers performance. I would say.
1: Like, well, because <laughs> well, I. What? Honestly, that's not. I, I would actually probably agree with that because Clooney. I was going to mention this
3: later, but we can mention. He's it now. so funny with his little, little like ticks. You know, he was like shaking a little bit, and he's always well, and, like.
1: And Clooney has. Character two, makes no sense because it's Clooney. There's several. Uh, that's true, but there's there's several versions of Clooney, and the most annoying one is the the shtick he pulls every time he's in a Coen Brothers movie, like when *Intolerable Cruelty*, *Hail Caesar*. He's got like the exact same. Thing that he does, like he does, has to do the exact same thing in every Colin Brothers movie. This one feels like the most grounded, where he plays normal, and and which makes it work more. So between this and Old Brother, we are normal, his best. That's ones. the
2: thing. He's too dumb to be normal. it's not a clue character, not, it's not, and it's, it's not, not, not believable shit. because he is. He has a really good job, but he's dumb and he's really good looking. I don't understand
3: why Clooney is that character. That's there's been many, many characters that Clooney has played has also been uh, dumb and good looking. Not the the recent dumb. Julia Roberts movie, The Ticket to Paradise. He was dumb and good looking. That movie. Nobody it's, saw that movie. I did. I liked it <laughs> more than available on Peacock. <laughs> All right, Zach, who did you recast? That I thought of a lot of gimmick recasting of this one, um, but I had to go with the person I thought was the most obvious, and that's uh, Chris Evans. And Chris Evans would could do this role in his sleep. Uh, You know, wrong kind of actor. No, no, comic, a little bit weird, um, into fitness. Maybe needs to be a little older. That's that's far. But I think Chris Evans is at least forty now. Like, um, you know, I, I don't know. Like uh I, I wrote down also um Peter Dinklage and Adam Driver, but those were more gimmick, uh, but I would love to see both of them in that role.
1: Yeah, I don't know about that.
3: You have to, be a, stick, you have to be a stick man. So that's why Leo's a good pick.
1: Yeah, uh, I I once I saw that, I'm like, well that that's it. That, I mean yeah. you can't Okay, Osborne Cox, Osborne Cox, uh, played by John Malkovich. Uh, I I wanted I wanted to recast uh, the the late great Philip Seymour Hoffman after his performance in Charlie Wilson's War, which was another CIA movie I thought theory. about mentioning. Um, but instead, I went with Paul Giamatti.
2: <laughs> not 90s Giamatti.
1: Just... <laughs> not 90s Giamatti. Today Giamatti. Einstein Giamatti. Not, not Einstein Giamatti. <laughs> <laughs> but he told he, he's like one of the few that could actually pull this off and and give it the
3: I think the, you're the you're thinking of like shoot him up Giamatti. But that Giamatti hasn't been around for a while.
1: Yeah, it might be a little too late for Giamatti to pull it off, but I I, I think it could work. I think it could work. Todd? All
3: right. Well,
2: this one I really struggled with, but there's something about the self-awareness of Malkovich in that role that makes it so great because only he is going to have the cadence to say those lines like that. And the one person I thought of that's around the right age that hasn't done this kind of thing a lot, but he has before, and uh it's it's Rain Wilson. and he he has played like angry in movies before and I, I could absolutely see him just obliterating somebody all, over the phone and it, it would be amazing and be hilarious to watch Dwight Schrute in the CIA yeah I'd watch that well, he had this movie <laughs> called Don't Tell a Soul that came out a few years ago and he he was absolutely the villain and he was pissed in that movie and it was awesome <laughs> I was just like okay take that kind of energy put it into Osborne Cox Yes.
1: I could see that. I could actually Mm. see that work. I could see it work. Zach, who do you have?
3: I wrote down a few people. Uh, Obviously the greatest casting would be a person who's been canceled. And that is uh, Kevin Spacey, a non canceled. (laughs) Kevin Spacey could have done this role (laughs) amazingly, Um, but we're not, he might be too old old. at this point though. Maybe a little too old. Uh, And his, his replacement, Christopher Plummer has passed away. So we can't pick him. (laughs) Um, I also wrote down Tilda Swinton. And I wrote down um, Steve Martin because couldn't you see the character of Osborne Cox saying, you woke me up for reverie? Um, but the character, the uh, the actor I ultimately went with is uh, Philadelphia Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni because you want someone with anger <laughs> and there's no one angrier than Nick Sirianni on the sideline.
1: Uh, I'm back. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But this is like pretty good. It's like it's like pathetically uh, uh, angry though. At times, I don't know. Okay, Katie Cox, played by Tilda Swinton,
3: had no idea that was her name. Neither did I.
1: Uh, I'm going. I uh, I'm going with Kate Winslet. I
3: think it works. Yeah.
1: And then I didn't even think of this. That means that Leo and Kate are sleeping together. There we go. Touchdown.
2: Yeah, uh, uh, they're all. It seems that they're all having sex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, looking at my cast, it's really weird. Okay, um, my Katie is um, is Diane Kruger, and uh, I don't know, star I, of I,
3: upcoming Marlowe movie. Which movie? Did you see the trailer for that? She's in an upcoming Chris uh, 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 Philip Marlowe movie with uh, uh, Liam Neeson. Maybe I, died, I did not see idea. that. But I didn't know Diane Kruger was still around. That's well, why she I thought was, you brought it up.
2: Yeah, I mean, she was in that uh, foreign film a few years ago that was won the Golden Globe. I don't know, and, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that that'd be really easy for. Her. I don't think it's just that interesting of a role to recast. I, I, I don't think that the fact that she's British really makes a difference at all. But because um, Kruger isn't British, even so, um, yeah, I don't know. I think it would work. It'd be fun.
1: This one more than any other, I feel like the recasting for this is Tilda Swinton, because she uh, played yeah. this role last year in Three Thousand Years of Longing,
3: or or Kate <laughs> yeah. uh, Kate Blanchett. I mean, but that's yeah. that's too easy because yeah. they could play any role that the yeah. other one plays. Uh, right. The the person I wrote down was Minnie Driver.
1: Ah, that's a good one too. I like it.
3: Yeah. All right. Oh, that, Who... She doesn't
2: do anything anymore either, though.
1: Oh, she was in. I feel like she was in something
3: recently. Can we also have to look this up? Can we do an additional recasting? Can we recast the divorce lawyer? (laughs) (laughs) Go for it. Well, that that was my Beth Grant role.
1: Oh, nice. Yeah. Who would Beth Grant play?
3: Yeah. But okay. Who do you got Zach? I wrote down Dan Aykroyd. (laughs) Or no, wait, I said originally he would be played by Wilford Brimley, but I think he's also dead he is he is. got the <laughs> diabetes you too madam can also get diabetes
1: uh, mini driver was in rosaline last year the one of the go, movies Terry's i was in my bottom, bottom five, five of the five. year yeah. oh nice <laughs> who, who would cage
2: play in this oh yeah it'd be, it'd be an amazing osborne that's what <laughs> i said too He <laughs> unbelievable osborne
1: <laughs> i have a drinking problem
3: <laughs> you're a mormon next to you we all have drinking problems uh, also a regal line candidate
1: uh, that's a that's a good one too yeah also
2: i think ted i uh, he he'd be a really funny ted there's something off about rich jenkins in this movie and uh <laughs> if you had someone with like the energy of cage it would make those those things a lot more a lot, a lot funnier like I'm not here representing hard bodies. (laughs) Like you had Cage (laughs) playing it up in that line.
3: Come on. (laughs) I don't know. It's great
1: that that it's pathetic from. It's so pathetic coming from Richard Jenkins, so it works. All right. What did you say?
3: I I said that uh, Cage would play the Russian uh, embassy guy, like the one (laughs) that.
1: That guy. That guy plays like a Russian in every movie. I've I've seen him in so much, so much stuff.
2: Like, are you talking about Kropotkin? <laughs> Kru- <laughs> like the, the main, the main I, Russian guy? Yeah, yeah, the dude? main Russian know. guy. The, yeah. Yes, yeah, well,
3: Kropotkin, yeah. Yeah.
1: Krapkin I didn't realize Isn't that Is that what was she called, called him?
3: Yeah, Kropkin. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> what else? Yeah, he's been in... What else was he in? I know I've seen him in something. Um, oh, he was the Russian Minister of Defense in Fate of the Furious. There we go. Uh...
3: He, was, he in tri- uh, was he a Russian in Triple X, too? Would have fit I feel like he might have people. been in
1: Triple X, but I'm I'm probably wrong about that. Um, he was, <laughs> a, he was a Soviet captain in X-Men First Class. He was the Russian president in Salt, which was another movie that came up as a possible CIA movie. Um,
2: yeah, a movie I saw the title of when I was looking at that, and I hadn't he, thought about the movie in 10 years. <laughs> he
1: played Mashkov in The Italian Job. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I think that's what that's what the one thing I'm thinking of him from.
2: He's the, he yeah. In, he's he's the one that uh the, the head of the group that eventually gets to. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He was in Home Alone three for some reason. Um. Yeah. He was in Miller's Crossing. Apparently, he was, Miller's Crossing.
3: See, he was in Miller's Crossing. See, I would. Was in Nine him... and a
1: Half Weeks. That's your we favorite movie of all time.
3: I would have given the Beth Grant award in this movie um, to the secretary um, who loses uh, Osborne Cox's CIA shit, but it's also obvious that she could have been played by Mrs. Selner for Mrs. Doubtfire.
1: Mm, yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. Who would, uh, my Beth Grant, I, I, I couldn't come up with them much. I, I just said she'd be a member in the gym. Who would 90s mm. Giamatti play?
2: I said uh, the, the cosmetic surgeon.
0: He's
1: I said... He's got, said- a,
2: he's got a couple of scenes, but I mean, that also is a, a face that we've seen before the guy from uh, Rocket Man. Um, oh,
1: yeah. Yeah.
2: But yeah. He
3: would have to be Olsen. And what are you That's- doing here? Olsen? That's what I
1: said <laughs> Olsen by reputation. Why is Olsen here?
2: <laughs> no, it, it's even better than that because he says it like in the middle of a sentence. He interrupts himself, like, why is Olsen here? <laughs> like, <laughs> who is this guy? <laughs>
1: <laughs> what does Adam think this movie's about? I couldn't come up
3: with anything good for this, but could do you guys- oh, could Todd play Osborne Cox? Is, is that a possibility? <laughs> You've, your Malkovich impression is really good. You got the look and the anger. I say that's he my Osborne Cox. Uh, uh, give him
1: twenty years; he could, he, he might be able to do it. Uh, Adam thinks
2: that I don't know. I, I just said a wrongful termination lawsuit. I mean, it then it, it goes from there with Hillary Swank. I actually thought Hillary Swank could play Katie, but mm. uh, I didn't go there.
1: <laughs> I think maybe maybe Adam thinks this is an alternate Windows. title to Mission Impossible,
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. I was thinking for Fahrenheit
3: 451, and since oh, I yeah, <laughs> <Firestarter>. <laughs> <laughs> daughter's favorite movie of last year.
1: Uh,
3: I, I, the only thing I had r- r- written down was uh, Adam assumes that the next time that someone will um be given divorce papers, it will be by Hillary Swank, served by Hillary Swank as a divorce lawyer.
1: Very nice because it happens That's a great. lot in
3: this movie. I thought one of your questions, Todd, was be what's the law firm's name, and I wrote that down. It was Tuckman Marsh, it's because the, the character's name is Tuckman, Marsh. Tuckman, Tuckman Marsh. Marsh. Yeah,
2: I could have said that, but I mean, I think that would have been easy.
3: I work for Tuckman Marsh. Uh,
1: what's do you have an alternate title for this movie? My alternate alternate title is uh, the memoir. <laughs>
3: <laughs> My alternate uh, title is the Russians. The Russians are <laughs> the, the question mark. I just
2: said hard bodies.
3: I, I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> My father in law has yeah. a hard bodies uh, pinball uh, machine, but it's the movie Hard Bodies.
1: Ah. Uh. Oh, without a space. The an alternate title could have been When Does It Make Sense?
2: <laughs> that would have been your question in trivia.
1: <laughs> it doesn't. Yes, that that that's the Terry Terry Trivia question. Highest war performance. <laughs> that that might be need to be a new category. The Terry trivia question. We kind of do it every time anyways. Highest war performance. Can we agree it's Malkovich?
3: I uh, easily, yeah. <laughs> no, Nobody
2: is <laughs> replacing that.
1: I mean, because it's and again, it, it's one of those that we talk about all the time that Malkovich is one of those actors that makes every one of his characters him so much that it's hard to picture anybody else in any of his roles. It's perfect. Okay. Uh, Paxton, Bill Paxton Memorial Worst Performance Award goes to who, Todd.
2: Uh, I wrote down Michael Countryman as Alan because he's, I don't know, throughout the whole date, he is just doing a Bill Lumberg impression. And, I mean, it's not even a good one. They even have the awkward sex scene with him just being like, hmm, with with his glasses even. It's, It's super weird. He's, he's doing a lumber and it's not good.
3: He's kind of doing like a Stanley Tucci in The Lovely Bones, too.
1: Oh, that. that's a good call. That kind of is like a, a good call. Child
3: molester look a little bit. <laughs> yeah.
1: But he works in the statement, State Department. Hey, that's cool! Zach, <laughs> <laughs> that what do you have?
3: I don't know. Pitt, Pitt could make the, the highest war maybe a little <laughs> bit of a competition. You're, you're, you're converting me. Uh. Um... The uh, worst performance, I think, has to go to Dermot Mulroney as the star of Coming Up Daisy. <laughs> I mean, you get down from there, it's pretty stiff. Dermot Mulroney's character or Dermot Mulroney <laughs> the actor? <laughs> Both of them.
1: I think you could go with Claire Danes because she doesn't even... She makes a poster but can't even make it on screen.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I had, I had Alan written down. Of the main ones, I mean... There isn't really a bad performance, so I mean, if you're gonna pick one of the main like six performances that you're gonna say is a bad one, maybe this is one of Francis's weaker roles. I mean, you could maybe say that. We but... couldn't find anyone that we could recast, though. I know, I know. Yeah, so uh... but yeah, Alan is is really the 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 the, uh,
2: the only one I had written one. down was Richard Jenkins.
1: I oh but he I think he's perfect though. He is perfect in that role. Like cause because he's just he's just that sad old man.
3: Yeah, right. I wrote down that Mark Rylance could play his role today. As long as he's oh, wearing a hat and a bad yeah. accent. Mm-hmm. That's a good that's a good one. To turn it into something really flashy like his <clears throat> bones and all performance.
1: Yes. Yes.
3: We're, right. do, we're doing the Oscars in a few weeks. I really hope that Todd puts Mark Rylance as his best supporting actor. <laughs> That's the only thing I've been thinking about all week, putting our list together.
1: Amazing Larry Big Tim High Roller, minor character of the film award, goes to who, Zach?
3: Uh, shoot, I was not prepared for this. Um, I think I'm going to go. Oh, I, I have to go with the divorce lawyer. I mean, I, I love him. He's great. You, too, can be a spy, madam. And then I love how he's got, like, you know, give it one more day. I I actually sometimes give that advice out because I think about that character. And that's, like, such a classic Coen Brothers character. Always this, like, you know, old guy who's some sort of bureaucrat. Like, he could have worked for um, William H. Macy's father-in-law in in Fargo. Like, he's just that kind of right-hand man who's in every single one of these Coen Brothers movies. And uh, I don't know the actor's name. I, I need to look it up. But I, I love that character. And um, I don't know why those scenes are entirely necessary for the movie. Um, but they're great. And uh, I guess I guess it's because his secretary is the one that loses the the CIA stuff yeah. at, the, at the gym. But I don't understand why his character plays such a prominent role in the movie. But he's great.
1: She loses the shit. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> Yeah, I feel like he he may have been like the backup for uh, the Charles Durning role in A Brother Where Art Yeah, now, Charles Durning would also governor.
3: very much uh, a Bruce McGill could have probably played it. Oh, uh, there uh, we go. J.R. Horn plays the divorce lawyer.
1: So uh, my minor character, I feel like you can't really go with J.K. Simmons because it's J.K. Simmons. But I'm, I think he would be like hands down the pick. But if I'm not, I'm going with the cosmetic surgeon.
0: Yeah, uh, played by either. Jeffrey
1: DeMunn because so when we were doing when Adam and I were doing the uh the sideshow on Barry the uh our favorite minor character kind of turned into uh we gave it the nickname of the hey that guy award uh because they're kept on being those it's like oh hey it's that guy and that was my my reaction when I saw him as a cosmetic surgeon because he's in all sorts of different stuff he's in green mile he's in the mist he's in of course rocket man unplug and go home Home oh, <laughs> which we have um, quoted
2: a lot on this podcast.
1: Which we've quoted a lot. He's I think he's in uh isn't he in I think he's in the Majestic as well. He's in a lot of Darabont Anyways, uh I love that character. I love that guy. Uh he's awesome. And and the the looks he just gives Linda as she just won't shut up. It's like, uh, can I tell you what you're supposed to know now? Oh okay, you're gonna keep talking. Okay, all right. Uh yeah, I love that guy. Todd.
2: Uh, I wrote down five others that weren't mentioned. Uh, <laughs> one, of course, is Olsen because mm. I mean, I'm like, I want to know what the what the what the deal is there. I mean, it's it, there's something there, and I I, I want to explore that. Um, I also wrote down uh, Manolo, who is the guy who finds the thing. She's like, oh, he's like, I was just I on was the floor the- there.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a whole like I do not I don't I don't know like a like a podcast that could be done about that, about that character and his like involvement in a crime investigation. <laughs> um, then I also have the Russian embassy escort. Who's just like this big guy. And you see him like three times. He throws them out of the Russian embassy. And other than that, he's just like escorting them, but he's walking in front of them, which he's not really actually escorting them. That guy's pretty, pretty cool. I also have the obviously CIA superior played by J.K. Simmons and um, CIA officer Palmer. DeBakey Smith, because he is, yeah. He is he DeBakey. is my favorite character. The movie has a, a
3: lot of a lot of great names. DeBakey, I, I noticed. That's, that's his, actually, middle his middle <laughs> they name. They call yeah. him Palmer, not
2: Smith, which is interesting because he is um
3: uh, Would know. you also put uh, Peck Peck on your list because he's Mormon? I was thinking about that. We could have done a <laughs> Mount Rushmore of greatest movie Mormons, and I think Peck would have made the list. Oh, that's it's a great
2: definitely the, the most mormon has been amplified <laughs> i don't I
3: didn't realize mormons were in the cia i didn't think that was a real thing
2: was he using mormon as like a euphemism or was it, or like was is he I actually think, well, i think a that was literal
1: <laughs> i think it's literal
3: it's he gotta should, be literal he could also win the bill pa- paxton prize because wasn't bill paxton the mormon in that show that he was on um true love big big love oh With i don't Gene know triple horn you know what i'm talking about todd Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember that show, the, the Golden Era of HBO.
1: All right, Swigert Stickman. It it's Harry, right? I mean, do we need to go any further?
3: I was also going to say the Sultan of Salad. <laughs> <laughs> I also but I wrote think Harry. Harry wins.
2: Yeah, Harry and the uh, the the star of Coming Up Daisy, played by Dermot Moroni.
1: Ah, uh, yes, yes. Also, uh, I would say Harry and his chair. <laughs> His chair, big time stick man.
2: <laughs> that, I, that, is
1: not one I had thought of, but that is that actually really works. <laughs> All right, the uh, the uncle douchebag goes to who? Oh, Todd.
2: Uh, there, there are a few. I know Everything. Zach's gonna hate one of mine that I that I would say. So, I, I we'll go over all of them after we're done. I'm gonna go with a uh, stretching gym patron. Oh, uh, good call! I love this. I popped something in my ass. I don't know. I mean, he, he's he's amazing. he's he's not a stick man because if he's not limber enough to stretch at a gym, then he definitely is not getting it in. But. He's also a douchebag because he was making a big scene of that. And even Chad was just like, I'm, I'm going to go take this call. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> Searching Jim Patron. He doesn't even have a name. Uh, you got no shot. Uh, that's that's awesome Powers. Um,
3: <laughs> that's my douchebag.
1: Oh, well done. Well done. I love it.
3: I'm really upset that you didn't say the the the, the kid patient at I, that is the one I have a four-year-old that, patient that, written down because he open his heck, mouth. That's the Todd pick right there. He wouldn't
2: open his mouth. I also had a, I also thought he was kind of punchable face because he wouldn't open his mouth. <laughs> she even <laughs> says that. She's like, You want me to get your mother out of the room so, so we can do this in person, one on one or whatever? Oh. Yeah.
3: Uh, all right, Zach, who do you have? I went with um uh uh George Clooney's wife uh Sandy uh because um she doesn't like Seattle she seems to be complaining oh, that good she gets call. sent there so this is a pretty anti-Seattle movie and I think it's personified by her attitude toward it so screw her I mean it does rain all the time there and there are a lot of independent bookstores but why why does she have to take it so personally
1: I mean I feel like that's more describing Portland than Seattle but
2: when I mean, yeah. she was on the it was the fourth leg of her of her trip too so yeah, uh, but I
1: understand, yes. All right. Uh, I have a, uh, let's see here, two, two, fourteen, six, four, six.
3: You could make a case for every character in this movie being a douchebag. Maybe not yeah. Francis McDormand, but I think everybody else being a pretty big douchebag. She,
1: had... she rams
2: her car into somebody else's car. That's, That's kind true. of a douche <laughs> move.
3: Well, and she's trying to rip off her, her insurance as well. In her um, country. And she, yeah, and she doesn't show up to work. <laughs> Like every character in this movie sucks in some way, and
1: she makes Ted feel like a complete. Yeah, you know,
3: right? She's mean to crap. Ted. He's in he's love with. Her. Mean it's, to... it's, yeah. it's a very pure relationship, like Ben Wishaw pining for Rooney Mara in *Women Talking*. You know, it's it's like the unrequited love.
1: All right, a so concern. I have uh, I I'll mention a couple here. The one I wrote down was Chad. I feel I mean because I I can't help but yeah are you
3: really talking about your feelings toward brian terry when you make that pick
1: no comment um <laughs> <laughs> uh but i i will also say uh honorable mention to uh to patrick Bull played by or uh playing sandy's man um i don't know
3: i don't remember who that was that, i saw that, name. that
1: so Sa- sandy is is um george clooney's wife so this is oh the that's guy right and she's having side.
3: an eff- yeah yep. okay
1: uh, but mm. I'm gonna go with a 20-way tie for uh for uh, douchebag with uh the twenty <laughs> drunken Princetonians uh that uh that Osborne Cox is singing their uh their uh song with.
2: But not Osborne.
1: <laughs> well I mean he's 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 Osborne I wrote mean, down saying. as a-
2: Osborne, I wrote down as douchebag because he didn't get the cheeses. I mean, and
3: that, <laughs> that's
1: because well, he—that's because he quit before he could get the message. <laughs>
3: that's a great call.
1: <laughs> but but okay, I actually I have the—I have the movie see. on my iPad right now, and it's actually at the scene where where uh, Chad just got in the car and he and he squints. Osborne Cox.
2: I know, I, every time he looks at him he's like oh i need to look serious again That—that that is Pitt doing his thing that, that is how he got his bafta nomination for this movie it was just
1: like that that scene just like,
0: oh.
1: uh, which is why <laughs> which is why he is the most punchable face because he actually gets punched in that scene and it's well deserved oh yeah. <laughs> uh, do you That's guys have cute. anybody anybody else for punchable face
2: well i wrote harry i i just think i mean th- there's something very punchable about a guy who just gets done having sex and is just like i need to get a run in <laughs> it's like i don't know like he, every time I'm just like dude you asshole <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah if it, but call. if it
2: was yeah. sean william scott it'd be a douchey but it's punchable because it's clooney because he doesn't belong
1: in that role. oh i like clooney that i like that. doesn't really
3: look like a runner and they only show him really running in one scene. It doesn't. Yeah, I guess that doesn't really fit. I don't know. I thought about it. Uh, one character who isn't a douche bag in a movie with every character. And that has to be Osborne Cox's father. Right. Mm-hmm. And he would be replayed t- today by Anthony Hopkins from the father. Right. But he worked
1: in this. Uh, I mean, he kind of looks like Brian Cox. Can, can you see yeah. that? He kind of yeah. does. But he worked in the State Department back in, like, the Nixon administration, so he's obviously also a douchebag. I have a, just can't talk anymore.
3: <laughs> I have another... I have a question about Osborne Cox. I know this is going all, a little off script. Do we really think that Osborne Cox is an alcoholic? I mean, clearly he drinks excessively in this movie. He just has a lot of whiskey, though. And they're, they're all fits. But see, the <laughs> so, thing is, and he's, like, measuring it, and then he pours a little bit back. Like, I've been there before. Like, um the... Well, that's because he's self-conscious is, about it at that is, point. Right. Is the alcoholism brought on by him getting fired and having nothing to do with his time except for watch Family Feud? You know, like what? it's like a chicken or egg situation. I was going to
2: ask what the question was in that scene, but there I couldn't actually figure it out. Oh, <laughs> no, that, <laughs> that's
1: a great conspiracy theory. He's trying to figure it out. Um, that That's one thing that does date this movie, though, is that Richard Karn is the uh, host. I was going to ask that. I was going <laughs> to that. ask who was the host
3: of Family Feud at the time. <laughs> yeah. It was Al. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right. Uh, best scene of the movie is what? Zach.
3: I think it's um well any scene with Malkovich, but I, I yes. think if you're gonna go with uh, a scene, it's when it's the scene when um oh gosh I don't know it's it's tough the scene when Brad Pitt calls him up on the phone at night is a yeah. great one. <laughs> but I also have to say what okay what you are engaged in is a felony. Uh, your head will be spinning faster than the wheels on that Schwinn bicycle. Looks can be deceptive. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Any like, we're getting there is, with uh, our Malkovich impressions. This is pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> have to, the, His his cadence is so unbelievable. It's amazing. <laughs> my
3: answer is any scene with malkovich in this movie exactly that's why i
2: said the movie needed a main character if malkovich was the main Uh, character observing all of the idiots around him it would be even funnier
1: so yeah uh if i had to pick one scene it was it was yeah calling calling osborne in the middle of the night osborne cox Yes, yes, this is Osborne
3: Cox. Um, <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I think someone has to pick the beginning scene though, because when he gets fired, that that's is didn't we? Too. Did yeah. we bring that up on the all time greatest firing scenes? That had to be on our, our list, right? Because that, or if I, it wasn't, that's a okay, real omission.
1: But see, I don't even know if it's if it's the all time greatest CIA operative getting fired, because well, right, I think that goes to Philip, Philip Seymour, Seymour Hoffman and Charlie Wilson's War. Um, the other thing I wrote down was any scene with J.K. Simmons because his two scenes are just freaking hilarious. Of <laughs>
2: um, yeah, uh, yeah, that's what I was saying earlier. Like, yeah, him, him, and uh, and Palmer are just
3: so, they, their uh, chemistry
2: is so great. It's like, well, uh, no, uh, 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 like the number two kind of thing. It's like, <laughs> we do have the issue of uh, the woman. Oh yeah, God. Where, where is she? Well, picked her uh, up. Yeah, we have her wait, some wait, wait. operations. Like, wait, we have her. Like, w- what are we gonna do? <laughs> like to do? What? <laughs> like, like their back and forth is unbelievable. Both of those scenes, I, I, I you, you guys, two of you, were, mentioned all four
1: scenes that I was going to talk about. We, so. we, we, caught him on the first plane going to Venezuela. Uh, <laughs> well, I don't know why. It's like because we don't have extradition with Venezuela.
3: Oh, so what should we do with him? Put him on the first flight to Venezuela. <laughs> <laughs> but there's also a world where J.K. Simmons could have played Osborne Cox too. I mean, let's think about Flash J.K. Simmons. Oh, yeah. Like that could have been interesting too. But see, I had him, Simmons him written down role. as my
2: second most highest war because I, I could, the, that role is because yeah. of his just like oh, I don't know, I oh, man. What did we even learn, Palmer? <laughs> Hard to say. <laughs> Maybe we I'll didn't do learn it again. Anything. Whatever yeah. it is we, that we did, again, yeah, if, if even... that is like at the time that like post Spider-Man, post Juno, J.K. Simmons, like pinpoint casting right there, like the... yeah,
1: yeah, that's <laughs> a good point. All right, the regal quote of the movie.
2: Uh, I wrote, uh that's either that's the shit man, or <laughs> I have an. Uh, lactose reflux, because uh, if you're at the <laughs> concession line or something and you say <laughs> i trying to buy popcorn uh, or something I'm mean, a lactose reflux.
1: I, I put, are you concerned with the security of your shit?
3: <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good, except I think the Regal, they want it to be G-rated. That's true.
2: Yeah, it but is, if Danny Trejo says it. <laughs> I,
1: but if Danny Trejo says it or one of his kids say it too like he, he's got the M like, like the the girl who says "as if" instead turns to him and says, "Are you concerned with the security of your shit?" And he picks up his cup and it's empty. <laughs> then he turns yeah. and said, "That's a, that's a line right before." It's you Fredo. <laughs> I knew it was you, Fredo. You broke my heart. <laughs> uh, okay, but the uh, the you are a dick underrated line of the movie.
3: Well I didn't say my regal oh, line. Oh yeah, yeah. What's at, your at regal? At first quote? I thought it was this is a crucifixion, but I also like I am simply a good Samaritan, sir.
0: <laughs> 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 yeah,
1: that scene like my uh,
2: yeah, that scene's such so great. Just like <laughs> uh,
1: all right, the underrated uh, line of the movie though. The you are a dick, underrated line of the movie. I mean,
3: who's going first, Harry? Uh, Zach can go first. Um, I'm back. You. F- <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that also could have been the regal line. There's no underrated line in this movie. It's, it's well, all sounds, great. There Anything are some. Okay. So well. I,
1: I had I had two. I had <laughs> you think that's a Schwinn, uh, but which could have been the regal quote as well. I don't know where it fits in. But then the other one is just is, is the one I mentioned just a little bit ago. Looks can be deceptive
2: <laughs> that's just that's just pit doing his thing yeah that's amazing. all right the two i wrote down was uh when he asked like like uh tuckman marsh is that a is that a law firm he said no it's a rock band said, yes, it's a, yes, it's a, yes it's a law firm <laughs> and i also wrote down uh Clooney says at one point he's like yeah we agreed to disagree <laughs> that's the only thing we agreed on um it's like but but the Coens have all those kind of lines in all their movies where it's just i mean passing lines lines that are overlapped with other lines like you
1: you get some real gems in there
3: the tugman marsh guy would have been 90s giamatti did we say that oh that's that's a a good
1: call that's a good call wow that's cool man (laughs) (laughs) that's the underrated quote of the movie (laughs) (laughs) the the other one the other one it just popped up on the screen is uh would you come down from there which apparently was the punchline of the scene but i don't understand why
2: um yeah i mean she thought it was really funny though twice
1: (laughs) which which leads me to my my nicole kidman movie companion of the movie which is linda litsky because she's a great one to go to a movie with
3: that's true not alan not alan See
2: my 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 theater companion was Osborne's father because he doesn't talk.
3: <laughs> like Kilmer, and,
2: and because he's in a wheelchair, so you get priority seating if you're going with yeah. him. So hey, that's my guy right there.
1: <laughs> uh, oh man. That's that's good.
3: That is good. <laughs> Zach, did you have one? I can't I can't top that. I can't imagine ever <laughs> topping that.
1: <laughs> oh man and the best ship with the best crew uh, alright if there were a sequel I want to see Harry in Venezuela that's what I want to see <laughs> <laughs> finding dating apps in Venezuela uh, yeah, that's pretty good I was thinking like it, you
2: could have a TV show set in the gym like superstore <laughs> style oh
1: that's a good call
2: like I've seen one movie it was like a uh, movie with Guy <laughs> Pierce. I think it was set in the gym uh, called results, but I've but like I, I've never seen a TV show set in that that specific scenario, and it'd be fun because I mean that I don't know you get all kinds of weird shit that happens in gyms like that, so I think that'd be fun, Ooh, especially douche- with those characters.
1: douchebag. We didn't mention the uh, the guy serving papers.
2: Yeah. yeah,
1: maybe even more so the guy that was the witness. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That might have been Olsen, for all we know. Why is he here? <laughs> what? what is Olsen here
1: for? Uh, Zach, what do you have for a sequel?
3: Uh, maybe a movie about um, Linda Litsky on Tinder. I mean, that was a very primitive version of Tinder that she was using. Um, maybe a uh, an uh, Aronofsky movie about uh, Harry being an obsessive uh, jogger. Like wanting to jog every two days, I don't know. I, I just want to hang out. Like I said, I just want to hang out with these characters. I don't. I don't really have, and they don't. Yeah. Me- there doesn't need to be a story. I do think pushing up, <laughs> up daisies seems really, really like a Hulu movie. Like if that was on a streaming platform, I think it would be mm. Hulu.
1: Yeah, or Peacock.
3: I think it's a Peacock movie. Possibly, possibly. Yeah, I think it would have made like Todd's top five uh beginning of the year. Like when we do that list in January. <laughs> I can see that as like that's a That's a good call. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean
3: Dermot Mulroney
1: and Claire Danes, I mean that yeah, yeah. that's all over that.
3: It just needs all a right. bunch of old women now.
1: Flaws outdated conspiracy theories. What do you guys got?
2: Um well uh, I I wrote down every scene without Osborne is kind of boring. <laughs> I'm like, which I mean, yeah, the movie need a main character. That all stems back to that. And I also wrote down that Harry gets home from running 5.2 miles and showers in less than 20 seconds and is totally refreshed afterwards. Because like Brad Pitt, uh, Chad didn't even have a chance to open the doors before he was already done showering. And he got out and he looked like he had. J- like, he was totally fine. And he just ran 5.2. Isn't makes it, a point of it? 5. It's kind of
3: sad that Harry and Chad don't get to know each other. They would probably make a great duo. That's probably the sequel is in another universe where they got to know each other and exercise and hit on women together and be paranoid together. That's, rob it, a
1: casino in Vegas together. Is I Chad mean,
3: straight, yeah. though? I, I think he I is. Know i don't think so i mean i never i never thought he was possible really i always assumed i get they it's 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 deliberately ambiguous i guess but is the sequel to this movie oceans (laughs) 11 was yeah i mean that
2: was was interesting when zach was saying pitt had never done comedy before i was like i feel like rusty Rusty, yeah
3: yeah that's that's i i find it
1: funny that yeah i mean i i noticed it this time more than and that's a like a big time shocking moment when i remember when i first watched it like that was as shocking as as uh leo getting uh getting hit and departed when um when brad pitt gets shot in this and we we see we see clooney and pitt who at this point have done a trilogy of oceans movies together as best friends spend like literally a half a second on screen together and uh I think that that's like one of the coolest parts of the whole movie.
3: Yeah. 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 I was also going to say if we had done this podcast 10 years ago, I Mm -hmm. think we would be talking about what, how crazy it was that Brad Pitt did this. And now all we can talk about is how great Malkovich was. I think Malkovich aged in this movie better than Brad Pitt did, I guess in a weird way
2: because Pitt actually took more roles like, yeah, like supporting and roles
3: and i think we just missed john malkovich we need we we need more malkovich in our well life.
2: see i wrote a review about this back in 2008 and i mentioned how malkovich was the best part of the movie <laughs> and and stuff but i also did talk about pitt quite a bit too so
1: i, I yeah the two of them are are definitely the stars of the movie so i've got a few uh, a few flaws i was thinking about uh with this and a lot of them revolve around uh around dc after having been there and kind of understand how the city is like works and stuff so like okay so it, it's actually the scene that's on the screen right now so he he gets driven out 5.2 miles from georgetown to do his run but then he runs along the tidal basin like that's not in the same direction from the other side of the lincoln memorial <laughs> And and, and and if he's going to run the route that she just drove him, she he'd be running on the sidewalk, not along the sidewalk next to the Japanese cherry blossoms along the Tidal Basin on his way to the Jefferson Memorial. Like That doesn't make any sense. Come on, you can do better that than that. That is brilliant, Terry. By the way, I think the Russian embassy is the FBI headquarters in this, not the Russian embassy. The Russian embassy, like, Embassy Row is in a completely different part of town. And that size of a building is not an embassy building in DC. I'm sorry. It looks like so, most of
2: this movie was shot in New
3: York.
1: Except for the couple scenes that have DC. Doesn't really look it.
3: like Washington DC.
1: Well, no there there are like those moments though. Like like he's running along the title base, and I'm watching him right now. Like that that can't really be faked, but Well, there are
2: like there're like 15 locations listed on IMDb down. and the and only one of them says Washington DC. Everything else says New York or New Jersey. So I don't know. I mean, there are the places they like uh, the the houses do look like New York more, but I don't know. I've never been
1: there, but I'm just from yeah. It could be Georgetown. It could be Georgetown, but I could see them faking it too. Oh, see now, I'm I'm seeing him run up a hill. There's no hills in DC like that. Yeah, that's not DC. (laughs) No, no.
2: So 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 Terry found that it's not shot in (laughs) Washington D.C.
1: (laughs) Personal parts experience. of it are there are parts of it that that are but yeah that's not dc you don't run up a hill that steep in dc that that not, not um not from the lincoln memorial to georgetown that that's me. the
2: deepest you've ever gone into flaws <laughs> <laughs> i want to congratulate you
1: <laughs> it's cuz i actually had some had like some personal experience to bring to it that i didn't have when i watched it in 2008 <clears throat> all right yeah uh let's see here LVP MVP. Then we're getting out of here. Uh, Zach, who's your LVP?
3: Uh, my LVP is uh, Manolo because I feel like <laughs> he really played an instrumental role in all of this. But he gets shafted. He only gets one line in the movie. And I guess it's a borderline conspiracy theory. But like, couldn't the movie just have been about Manolo? Like, why did it have to involve these other people so much? He was the one that found the shit. He was just doing his job i guess so really maybe he should be the mvp um i guess i'm not really sure for
1: the security of the shit
3: yeah in 2008 that would have been the Paul walter hauser part yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah and then my mvp the movie is the russians i I think that that aged well it's like watching this movie again everyone's like the russians why would they take it to the russians and it's like now in 2023 uh, yeah, it kind of makes sense that, uh, that, that totally they makes sense. want uh, no. secret shit from the United States. Yeah. And, and secondary option,
1: the Chinese. So that's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so my LVP, I have Harry down uh, for LVP because, okay, he's never fired his weapon before in the field. Yet he leaves his holster in the closet and the gun in the bedside table loaded. I mean, that's what led to this whole thing. And the second he he gets spooked, he uh, he shoots him in the face. And the th- the funny thing is, in this whole thing, he thinks that that he's one of the private eyes. Like he thinks Chad is is a part of a, of the the law firm. That's why he gets rid of him the way he does. I, I, it's, it's, it's weird. Anyways, I had him down. Yep. Uh, I also had Ted down because, yeah.
3: It's he dead. gave up a job in Chevy Chase, man. Who, yeah. Who would do that?
1: <laughs> and, and he actually lit li- Linda Litsky is out of her mind and he actually listened to her because he was that willing to impress her. I guess he didn't have too many options. Uh, my MVP, I also have Ted down because I think that that's underrated, one of the cooler characters in the whole thing. But I also have DC down because I forgot how much of a DC movie this is. And there's some cool, you know, it's obviously they're they're right next to the Lincoln Memorial. He's running twice by the Lincoln Memorial. Uh, And then he uh, her ideal spot to meet people is like walking away from the World War II Memorial under the Washington Monument. And I don't know. I know too much about DC at this point. So I had to I had to shout it out that there were some cool spots. However, that totally is the FBI building. It's not the Russian embassy that they pull up to. I'll hold to that <laughs> yeah.
2: uh lvp i have uh floppy disks and cds because uh like the, even the russians have to ask like okay so is this a pc or a mac i mean i forgot <laughs> about those issues like that that, that seems like forever ago uh and my mvp is brad pitt because I I don't I mean, I remember when this when this movie came out, it was Brad Pitt that was what sold me on wanting to see it most because it was just like, that is not what he does. But he looked hilarious and everything he does in the movie was just as good as I could have imagined. And and it was a year of Brad Pitt, too. He got his finally got his second Oscar nomination. and, uh, And and but this was I mean, this is just classic, you know, great supporting character actor in a leading man's body kind of role.
1: Did you say he got a BAFTA nomination for this?
2: He did, and so did Tilda Swinton.
1: Oh, man. Yes. That's amazing. That is amazing.
2: And got, it got, yeah, I think he got three BAFTA
3: nominations. Got yeah. some Golden Globes nominations, too. This is a Golden right. Globes movie, though.
1: <coughs> oh, it totally is.
2: Totally BAFTA is. nominated for original screenplay, supporting actor, supporting
1: actress. Yeah, There's no
3: question that if this movie was made today, it would be streaming, right? This would not be in Oh
1: yeah, this is a Netflix movie. Oh yeah, okay, mm-hmm.
3: especially after Bust of
2: Scrugs. Yeah. McDorbin was nominated for a best actress at the Golden Globes. So there you go. Yeah. I mean it was an awards movie, sort of, but uh
1: Best Actress really?
2: Best actress in a comedy musical and best comedy musical motion picture. But that was back when they actually did nominate comedies. Well, just... this
1: this feels like a category filler too. Okay. okay. Quote of the daytime. Let's wrap this up. I'll go first. My quote of the day. Uh, since Todd took mine in trivia talking about Seattle. Uh, I had one more 80 for Brady quote. I've got to mention here. Yes. And I, I saved the best for last. Uh, they walk into the NFL experience. And uh, I think Lily Tomlin says, uh, this is beyond my wildest dreams. And Rita Moreno says, really? I had a dream last night where I was going down the Amazon on a pickle with my paper mache children. <laughs>
3: I love. I love that. Okay, we need to unpack that for a second because <laughs> that was a quote that you wrote down on your phone. Probably took you like twenty seconds to write that shit yeah, down, yeah. and you weren't paying attention to the movie because the movie was crap. But at least you <laughs> wrote it down. So I wrote it
1: down. It is cataloged. It is. It is now officially a part of. This
3: That's podcast. probably not even a good enough line to make the IMDb quotes page.
1: No, it, it was. It was one of those where I was just like, really, that that we we're. we're 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 devolving into worthless punchlines like that. Going down the Amazon on a pickle with papier-mâché children. Okay.
2: That does does sound like a dream, though.
1: It does sound like a dream. It does. does. right, (laughs) We'll go to... Let's go to Zach next. We'll give Todd the last word.
3: Uh, Well, I had forgotten that um, Todd and I both wrote reviews of this movie. I was going to quote my review real fast. Um, I said that in 2008... Um, uh, I somehow found myself identifying with nearly all the characters they don't really do much except for get paranoid, exercise sleep with one another and occasionally die but their lives fascinated me and I did also <laughs> like the line my original line of the day was going to be from Tilda Swinton when she says you're not speaking to one of your shithole buddies <laughs> also describes this podcast it Exactly, it does. it does,
1: well done alright Todd,
2: what do you got? Well, mine also describes this podcast, and that is uh, obviously Osborne Cox saying, you are part of a league of
3: morons. <laughs> That's not even like Dr. Evil, though. Mike Myers. You
1: <laughs> are part of a league of morons. <laughs>
3: That's true. <clears throat> <clears throat> Maybe Lorne <Lauren> Michaels. As- <laughs>
1: uh, All right. Well, with that, we're going to draw this podcast to a close. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, again, we're taking next week off for the Super Bowl. We'll be back in two weeks with our special 2022 awards episode where we will, I think we're going to be streaming live on YouTube for that one. So be sure to check that out. We'll reveal our nominations and debate all these crazy categories of, uh, who wins for the year. Uh, make sure you tune in for that until then have fun watching movies and we'll catch you on the flip side.